And he's got really quick hands. And, Doug, I've talked about him on the show for how long, four or five yeah. years, and said, hey, this is a diamond in the rough, and a lot of teams have missed out on him. And I can clearly say, I told you so, <laughs> you know, that that was a guy. But you're right, Doug. He can really hit the ball. And plus, he's got power. He can hit for home runs. He didn't hit one in high school at Duncan Field. Well, no. Yeah, but <laughs> no, one, no one else did either. Need right? a potato yeah, to yeah, get it out of there. Well, those are some of the headlines, and we'll get to a few more as time warrants with Legion Baseball and a variety of other things. But we are here at the UNK campus, and uh, joining us is Michael Huffman. He's the head coach at Bellevue West. We've had a chance to talk with him because he's been the Shrine Bowl. That is the unique thing, both – Shrine Bowl coaches are, for the second time, a head coach, and that has never happened. There's a few of the assistants that are here, actually, for a third time uh, because it was a special year, the 65th anniversary, and Dave McDonald is his last year, and he wanted to do something special, and uh, he joined us uh, Tuesday on the show as well. But, Coach, it's great to see you again, and, and congratulations on this honor. I mean, one of only two guys to ever be able to do this twice. Patio uh, with my wife the other night, you know, leading up because it's busy times, especially the few weeks before camp, making sure everybody's got everything they need, what they're going to bring it. And uh, she brought up the fact, you know, that's pretty cool that that Dave selected you and Mark because there are so many coaches that could have been chosen. And uh, it's it's a definite honor. It, it gets you right in the little heartstrings. You know, we're supposed to be big old tough dudes, but it uh, it was pretty awesome. And you know, I've got a lot of great mentors. I really like working with Coach Martin, Coach Frenzen. Uh, we were Coach Frenzen and I were uh, assistants for Arnie Johnson in 2014, and then we just clicked. We both spread offense, guys. I went up to his house, talked football, stayed the night. He's come down to my house, stayed the night, talked football, and it's just really good. And, man, you want to talk about a dude that's wired tight, man. That guy's ready to rock and roll. He's <laughs> keeping me in line this week. But, man, all-star staff, you know, we've got six state titles between us, uh, played for quite a few more, quite a few semifinals. But really, really good dudes. But every mold is different. You know, Coach McLaughlin's great coach, really huge heart as well. But, Way more straight laced than we are, so it's going to be a really contrast of styles, man. It kind of reminds me of in the what was it mid '80s when Miami was playing Penn State, right? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. got Joe Paul, and I think at that time we know Jimmy Johnson or whoever was coaching the <laughs> U, and it's kind of what's going to happen on Saturday. It's going to be fun, Mike. What draws you back? I mean, some people could say I'm trying to get ready for my season. We're going through summer camp. Coach Cool is actually going through summer camp this week and doing his duty. Uh, here in the Shrine Bowl as well. You could say, I've been there twice. Let somebody else do it. What was it that just, to all you guys, brings you back here one more time? Well, first of all, it's Dave. You know, Dave, puts he's put his heart and soul into this game. Uh, we got to know each other pretty well. We stay in contact throughout the year. We both live in the metro area. Uh, so that was probably the first thing. And I'm not going to lie to you, there were some times this winter and spring with roster selection, and there's just so many things that go on in the world now to get a team, especially a 45. Uh, I was frustrated a few times, and I might have said some not so nice things about Dave underneath my breath. And Coach Pekorski, who was a, my, he's my offensive line coach at Bellevue West, and he's out here for the second time. He's all, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to love it. Once you get out there, you get around those kids, those other coaches, you get around all the Shrine guys, you're going to love it. And sure enough, we're walking to dinner last night. I'm like, man, I do it. <laughs> so uh, we actually take this week off. 
uh, at Bellevue West. But, you know, like Larry Martin, he's got a camp going on. Coach Frenzen, they got their passing legs, so he's luckily got some young coaches uh, running those types of things. You know, Coach Cool has his camp. I've just learned over the years, families need some vacation time too. I'm just choosing to use my vacation at, at Kearney. I'm a 97 Kearney UNK grad. So I know you kind of joked about the Metro guys. I love it out here, man. This is one of the top five jobs in the state, and you see what Coach Cool's done with it, man. This is it's good living out here, man. This is God's country. You know, Coach, I've, I've coached for a lot of years myself, but every time I coached, the game was very important to win because of wild card points and et cetera. So I could never back off on anything. But it seems to me, I went to the 1971 Shrine Bowl and saw Tom Crop, who was a tremendous game he had. But a lot of guys didn't get in on either side. They had, I think they had 33 players on both sides. It was such a close game. There were about six kids from other schools did not even get into the football game. And I think we've changed that a little bit over the 52 years later. I'm pretty sure that that's one of the things after being there a second time is you're very conscientious about making sure that if you've got all these kids that came up there, there's got to be a player or two where they can get in. Your t- thoughts on that? Well, if, if you guys know me for a long time, there's not a whole lot of coach speak that comes out of mind. So I'm going to be 100% honest with you. We, in 2018, we went in with equal. And every single kid played the same amount of downs. And we ended up losing on a 54-yard field goal. And uh, my quarterback, Joe Dolinchek, who was the All-Stater, state champ, um, went to the morning side and threw more touchdowns than any other kid that's ever thrown. It was the other quarterback's turn to play at the end of the game with a minute and I think 12 left. And Joe came up to me and said, hey, put me in, coach. We'll get this done. And Joe's a baller now. Mm-hmm. You know, I said I looked at him and, you know, I said, coach, I said, Joe, I'm not going to have this other family mad at me for the next 30 years. So that fast forward to this year, we are fair, but it will not be equal. Every kid will play, right. but kids that maybe aren't, you know, because I did coach in C1 for five years. I've played, I've played some C2 teams. We have some eight-man kids here. It's a whole different animal, right, especially with some of the studs that are, that are running around here going to play major college ball. So what we're trying to do with those kids that maybe aren't quite up to the challenge of what this is going to be, they're going to be on special teams, and they'll get some reps, but it, it will be fair, but it will not be equal. Talking with Michael Huffman, Bellevue West, uh, head coach, North coach uh, again. So the third time around, you have to be an assistant before you're head coach. Now, as we said, you, you are a second time. Sometimes a coach will say, you guys are playing offense, you guys are playing defense. Sometimes they'll mix and match. What's what kind of on what you just said, what else are you going to be doing the same or different than the last time around? Uh, ma- uh, minus Braxton Borer. Everybody's playing just on one side of the ball. Uh, Braxton is a safety and a wide receiver from Columbus Lakeview, and because you know the Lakeview staffs here, we know him really well. We uh, we we have one uh, wide receiver out, and the other guys. It's just a lot of running to do because we're spread. Man, you guys have seen us play. We chuck it. We, we brought the Bellevue West offense here, so it's going to be fun. We're going to try to light up that scoreboard. But those those receivers are tired, <laughs> you know. So we needed him to come over a little bit to do those things. About halfway through the camp, we moved uh, Jack Roberts from Boone Central over from DN to wide receiver. He's going to play some slot. Uh, he's an unbelievable guy, track athlete, so we knew he had the speed to do that. So most of them are playing one way. I want to talk a little bit about the coaching staff, though. So, you know, uh, we have three unbelievable head coaches on this staff. And that's one thing I told Dave right away. Like I was so happy with the people that he chose. Cause again, I have that, those relationships with Kurt friends and Larry and Larry Martin and I are friends. Cause you know, it, it's hard, hard, 
cutthroat football in the metro and sometimes when you know when you're successful the other people kind of shun you a little bit and so larry and i have had a lot of success so we've, we've actually started hanging out <laughs> so basically when i told when i talked to coach friends and he's like running around the organization man he set up all the buses he's got everything going on he knows what we got next and all those things i'm running my offense okay and yes i meet with the team at the end i run our, our staff meetings and stuff like that but uh you you know you probably on the outside watching and watching practice Probably looks like Coach Friends. And then Larry's Larry, man. Larry's the man. He's, he gets everybody going. He's got this loud, bellowing voice. And, man, he, he will talk to anybody. It don't matter. We're, in the, we're, at the, we're at dinner. We're out at the bowling alley. He's talking to everybody he can. And I just love being around the dude. And he keeps me light. And it's good going. Uh, but, we're, you know, we're here to win. I told the boys, you know, I don't know how you're being raised. And I don't know how your, your programs run. But winning and losing matters. Now, I'm not going to lose sleep. Like when the 54-yard field goal went in, I, I was upset. But I didn't lose sleep that night. It was still a great time, and it's a great week. And uh, But we're, we're here to win the ball game now. I'm just telling you that. I remember last year, and, and I think uh, Coach McLaughlin told us this when you guys were selected way back last summer, about trying to tandem up, if you can, the quarterback and a wide receiver. Because the offense over the last few years has kind of struggled because of the short time of the game the defense has. And he says matching up a quarterback and a wide receiver out of one of the coaches uh, – offenses, whether it's you or Lakeview or whatever, or his or whatever the case may be. I know Abram Schulting uh, said earlier this week that he's seeing a little something different, even though he had an amazing career mm-hmm. at Pierce. So tell us a little bit about uh, who's going to be taking the snaps for you uh, this week and what that offense is going to look like from a talent standpoint. And, and another fantastic observation, Mark Bramer is one of the best coaches in the entire state of Nebraska, probably the Midwest, but it's a completely different offense. So Abram's, you know, had really had to learn a lot because it's spread. Uh, you know, and I'd be remiss to say it's, it's interesting coaching in the game when you don't have one of your own players. You know, our, our linebacker, uh, Jaden Bullion, was selected, was going to play, but unfortunately got hurt at state track, you know, so we had to replace him. Uh, and that's a bummer. That's been weird. Uh, in the other times that I were the coach, I had Joe Dolinchek, and then in 14, I had my quarterback, Brad Brazil. So that really helped. So that's different. But now, Abram Schulten and Trey Bird from Bennington. Trey Bird's never lost a game as a starter. He's 26-0. and 0. And then Abram's like, tw- I think, 25-1 and 1 the last two years. So when you have that type of leadership and, you know, a good quarterback's got moxie because you're going to make a bad play, but you know the next play we're going to go out slinging. So, you know, we, were, we have worked really hard on our concepts. And then yesterday, I brought, you know, you had those three days, I brought him into my room. I'm like, all right, Mike Huffman's not playing. Okay, he's played some, he hasn't played since 1991, and that was some pretty average football, right? <laughs> and I was a dang linebacker, so I wasn't a quarterback guru back then. And we sat down and went through the schedule. What do you like? What don't you like? Do you like this play this way better or this way better? And so that's what we did yesterday. And then right before we got on air, I had the offensive staff. We're going through our situations because, you know, I learned it from Nick Saban a long time ago. I'm not an Alabama fan, but if you're not a Nick Saban fan, you don't like college football. And he said in crunch time, think play or not play. But now it's our job to understand what plays those players run the best and give us the best chance. So uh, Abram and Trey, you know, I've had some great quarterbacks at Bellevue West. You know, you know the latest one, Daniel Kalen, you know, going to Nebraska, Power Five guy. Uh, these guys are right up there, man. They they bring some intangibles and some athleticism that I'm excited to work with because I I haven't had guys in, you know minus Nate Glance uh, that are this athletic. But it's, it's going to be fun. The quarterback run game can, can be the great equalizer. Mm. And I'm excited to see what they do. They can spin it, but they can run it too. You know, Coach, uh, 
I, I won't get into depth on how weak some of the teams in Omaha are right now in Class A, but there's a complete disparity. And I mean, I, it's too bad that it's happening. But I, I wanted to bring up the fact that I thought North Platte, Kearney, and Grand Island in Class A all had quality football teams this yep. year and on a given day could beat anybody, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, those three schools. So instead of talking about the disparity in – and Class A in Omaha. Let's talk about those three schools just for a little bit, if you would, about how competitive you thought they were. I had a I had a wonderful walk home from dinner yesterday with uh, Colton Tilford, the safety and wingback from North Platte. You know, Westside was twelve and one state champs, right? That ring mm -hmm. doesn't say thirteen and zero. Yeah. Who was the one? Yeah, North, North Platte. Platte. And you know, Carney, shoot, Carney came in. We scored with a minute fifteen left. They go right down the field, score and beat us. I mean, Carney's our kryptonite, man. I love playing those guys. They're so well coached. And Jeff Tomlin, you know, you want to talk about a great football coach. You know, we giggled because, you know, we're big into the celebrations after touchdowns. We've got guys, if the defense scores, they got something ready to go. The offense has got multiple ready to go. But the defense made a play the other day. They picked up a fumble and scored. And this was actually on the SCN, if you look it up at the end. And this the safety uh, from Grand Island. He pretends to crack a drink on his foot and chugs it, right? And I said, man, what if I sent that to Coach Tomlin? His, you know, his pillars for success yeah, and right. BLM. I'm like, Coach is going to have your hide when you get back. I'm like, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So then it's my fault. I've been telling the guys we're going to party in the end zone. So I said after that, there'll be no partying. In the, we're going to celebrate in the end zone. No parties, fellas. So, no, they, they always play great football. We've been lucky enough uh, to play Carney quite a bit. You know, uh, pretty early in my career at Bellevue West, they came down in the playoffs, almost got out of there with a win. We were in Ducker, broke a real long the, – the running back that's at uh, Memphis now broke a real long one on a draw because uh, I was – honest, I'll be real honest, I was playing to get into overtime and thank player – not play. He he broke a kid off and he ran it down to the one and we were able to punch it in. We all know about the forty one forty unbelievable, you know, character and guts to call a reverse two point conversion. Right at the pylon is what it is. Uh, and then doggone this year, uh, that frustrated me. It's great. Uh, but Grand Island, Carney, I've never had the luxury of playing North Platte. What started the conversation yesterday was COVID year. We were on our charter bus to go to North Platte had already passed out the food and everything when the North Platte AD called and uh, said that they had a contact with on a, from a JV player. But they're like us. Everybody practices together. Sure. And so then I told the kids they had to give all their food back. I was just kidding, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that was a bummer. I have not played them yet. I want to play Grand Island in the new stadium. I heard sure. it's unbelievable, the facility. You know, so we practiced at Kearney High the other day. Holy beautiful. I didn't even want to go home, man. Sorry, <laughs> Bellevue S. Sorry, Mr. Rolfs, but that place is unreal. The Horizon Middle School, what a great facility. I want to pick up their shed and bring it back to 1501 Thurston and lay it down. But, man, the, everything's great out here. The football's great. The facilities are great. And, you, and I don't know the coach at North Platte, but I know the coaches at Kearney, and I know the coaches at Grand Island. There aren't better guys in the business. Well, let's wrap it up with this with Michael Huffman, the head coach of the North, and, of course, uh, from uh, Bellevue West, just about kind of the game overall. We're going to talk with Colton Marsh at Grand Island and yep. Victor Isley of Northwest. Couple Ask him about that celebration. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. A couple kids from my alma mater of Ord. we got a kicker uh, from an eight-man school in, in Nolan Elo. But what are you expecting? What, what should we be watching for? You talked about at the beginning of the interview, maybe the contrast in styles that we'll see Saturday. Yeah, we, uh, we have a very explosive offensive team, but I would, 
the number one thing I've been most impressed with this week, our defensive line. I've got called twice now by Carney Child Protective Services because <laughs> what the, this uh, Victor Isley from yep. Grand Island Northwest, I know why he's going to North Dakota State. He not only looks the part, but he plays the part. We've actually had to ask him to slow it down, and he he doesn't have a second gear. So we literally take him out. Okay, Jackson Boss from Norfolk. I mean, wait till you see this kid in pads. He's the, those two guys are the first guys off the bus. But this Dawson Raby from Pierce, you know, you play an inside two eye or you play the outside of the guard in the three. He's so big, he plays both. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Now, now, think about this, though. So he's a state champ in football for Pierce, for Coach Bramer. We talked about Coach Bramer earlier in the day. He wins the heavyweight wrestling state title. And then a week and a half ago wins the discus state title. How many three sports state champs are playing in this game? That's an interesting question. I'd love the answer to it. He's a neat kid, man. And they're all so pleasant, man. It's just we've had a really, really good time. Well, Coach, uh, thanks for uh, basically donating the time, all yeah. the time that you guys have. Vacation. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, I know it's a vacation that you're going to end up loving too. So yep. we'll see you Saturday at the field. I appreciate you doing this for us again. Yep, thanks for all you guys do. This is fun. You bet. Coach Mike Huffman joining us here. Team. Uh, Even more than that this year. Is that right? This yeah. year, okay, there's 12 on each side. Yeah, so, I mean, that's more than we've had in the past. So, uh, yeah, when you got 12 coaches, I mean, you're going to have uh, you're gonna have a lot of uh, a fun out there on the football field too. Well, let's bring in the head coach of the South, uh, currently at Platteview. Of course, a lot of us know him from his days at Gibbon and Mark McLaughlin. You know, I, I think if I went back – and listened to either the end of the Doug and Daddy show when we did this when he was the head coach or the end of the game. And I commented on it earlier this week talking with somebody. Mark probably, with no disrespect to any of the other coaches, just the care level, for lack of a better word, was incredible. And I know you were fired up to be, along with Coach Huffman, the only coaches to ever be the head coach twice. So first off, uh, congratulations. And tell us a little bit about having more coaches on your squad uh, than ever before and uh, A, why, and B, how that has maybe changed the way you guys do things. We have a total of 12, including myself. Um, and, and our staff, Dave, was very kind to us. Um, Carney High, I have Brandon Cool, Kyle Peters, and Darren Van Winkle. Uh, Brandon Cools, the one of the two associate head coaches, um, will come back there. And then Kyle Peterson is the other associate head coach from Aurora. And Coach Coach Peterson brought um, Cole Ashby and James McCartney. So we have three uh, Aurora, three Carney High. And then I brought my OC, Adam Keel. Um, and he did this game in 2012. And then I brought the O-line coach, Nick Smith. So there's three Platteview, three Aurora, three Kearney. And then we have each one of us extended to a, a local school. And um, Coach Peterson brought Garrett Johns, who played for him at Aurora, played in the Shrine game in 2012, the same year Coach Keel coached it. Um, and then, of course, went on to Nebraska. He's at Lincoln Standing Bear now. And then um, Coach Cool brought Matt Bracken from York. And um, I brought um, Ryan Steeren from Papillion La Vista South. So we have a 12-man staff, six and six offense and defense. And um, obviously the, the, the game is, is second to everything else. 
but from a professional standpoint, there's no clinic, there's no video series, there's nothing that can replace learning from Brandon Cool and his staff and Kyle Peterson and his staff. Uh, I would I would put those guys in the top five in the state of Nebraska. Uh, what Coach Cool has accomplished here in Kearney is is unbelievable. Um, him and Coach Tomlin are right at the top of my list in Class A. Uh, and Kyle Peters, his defensive coordinator, is a no-doubt head coach down the road whenever that time comes. Um, I consider myself a defensive guy, and, and Kyle, what Kyle Peters does and knows, is, it makes me look like a JV coach. He's, he's unbelievable. What's the number one thing that you've already learned this week? I mean, there's a lot of networking, as you alluded to, and you've been uh, now a third time to be able to do this. What's the new thing that you as a coach have learned this week? What, what Coach Peters does on defense, um, well, first off, Coach Peterson on offense, we, we're stealing the play, the way that he calls his plays. Um, we've gone back and forth on the wristbands and huddling and all that. Just the simple system that he uses to call his plays is going to add years to my life. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing on offense. On defense, uh, the way that Coach Peters can get into different fronts without information overload in the play call uh, is another another thing that I'd like to take back. But uh, he can teach a whole bunch of different techniques and looks um, that to the offense, it's a lot to prepare for, but for the defense, it's it's not too much to learn. It's the same techniques, smoke and mirrors, different presentation. Yeah, Coach, you're really right about that. One thing about high school football, and even in NCAA, simplifying what you do on offense and defense so you don't get called for delay a game. or you On defense, you don't have 12 men on the football field. I mean, uh, everybody's got to be on the same page. And how you can simplify that's really critical. So sometimes you can't even bring out guys on your punt return team you guess you eleven got to stay out there because every time we bring somebody out, we get called for twelve or thirteen guys on the field or burn a timeout or whatever you do. So I think you're right, simplifying the game so everybody understands it. And the least you have to do, but you get a lot of different looks that you got to buy into that system. For sure. Uh, what we've been really, really trying to stick to is avoiding paralysis by analysis. If, if kids are thinking, they're not playing fast. So everything, it's, that's the biggest challenge, in my opinion, football-wise in the Shrine Bowl is taking 45 kids that know 45 different verbiages for things. We might call it a twist. They call it a storm. Or we call, it a, we call this kid a three-tech, something as simple as an alignment. For us in Platteview, outside shade of the guard is a three-tech. In other schools, they call that a five-tech inside shade of the tackle or we call a gap to the strong side the two hole other people call that zero so marrying the verbiages in a week's time and making it so they don't have to think when we call 27 train um that's that's a challenge fortunately if you do the selection process right you pick smart kids that pick things up football i heard jackson say I'm a football guy, and he's not wrong. There's, there's not a kid on our roster that's not a football guy. 
which makes my life a lot easier. And Traven Beckman, I think, was one of them that's sitting at a 4.0 GPA, and that usually helps out when you're a quarterback. If, Like Coach Devaney says, I want smart players too. And uh, we're talking with Mark McLaughlin, the head coach at Platteview, who's doing the South. Okay, what kind of football team do you have that we're going to be watching on Saturday? We have a, a really balanced team. Um, I was just telling the News Channel Nebraska guy, every interview I've done so far, we've heard about the North, the North, the North, the star power of the North, the names on the North, and they're not wrong. They've got dudes. Um, There's some names on the North roster that are some of the very best football players in our state. Uh, We're not forfeiting. (laughs) We're coming Saturday. And we think we got some really good players. By the time the game's over, there's going to be a lot of people that know some new names. Um, and when I say balance, that's what I mean is we don't we don't maybe have the the standout name. You look at the roster and you're like, oh, we have a few kids like that. But there's not a kid here that that we don't feel like can make a play on Saturday. So that being said, it's only two years ago since you were the head coach previously and assistant coach. What are you doing or tweaking? I don't want to say different, but what do you what do you tweak this year from your practice routine to try and win the football game on Saturday or anything that goes around it, the planning to put your team together or what you're doing here? We use Generally, we use the same selection process that we used last time. We felt like that worked. We didn't miss on any kids. Um but in, in terms of game planning, there's there's a, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. You know, there's we weren't physical enough in camp last week, two years ago. We were our goal two years ago was get everybody to the game as healthy as possible. We got to get some stuff done at practice, but we got to get to the game as healthy as as healthy as we can. And that's obviously the goal again. But we didn't hit enough. We didn't. We didn't wear full pads enough, and we've done that this year. We've we've put we've put the pads on, and you know we weren't out of our first practice, and we had a kid in a cast. And that's not the goal. That's no. not what I'm saying. But um, in a perfect world, you can go hit, and everybody walks off the field healthy. But as we all know, that's not football. That doesn't always happen. So we've we made sure the kids were, were comfortable with what we were doing. And, and we feel pretty good about where we're at from a physical standpoint. And that, that was a huge issue for us two years ago. Is there any area where you're loaded a little too much in one area and there's an area where you feel like you're a little short? For instance, in this secondary, you're going, hey, we are only got five guys that are playing there in the run backfield. We've only got two. Or Is there a place where you're, they're, you're loaded in one area and you had to switch some guys yeah, around? There is. Okay. Um, we, have, we were really deep at wide receiver. Okay. Um, at the, the various – wide receiver positions and a lot of our wide receivers are versatile enough they could play in multiple different spots um, and defensive back obviously it's Bellevue West you can never have enough defensive backs against Bellevue West and early in camp we lost a kid a DB so uh, and then we also have two kids playing defensive back that don't have a lot of defensive back experience that you just talked to, Jackson and Carson. St. Cecilia and Holdridge, Correct. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jackson Heinrichs and Carson Kudlicek. So, you know, and we're, we, they're very capable. Yes. We thought those guys can both do it. What we did at about a 
day and a half ago is we took Carson from defensive back and put him over on offense and brought Dahlgren over to defense because Dahlgren play, has played in Kyle Peters' system before to kind of give us a little bit more depth once we lost the, sure. the one kid early in camp. Um, so I'd, I'd go with that. Mark McLaughlin, head coach, Platteview. Of course, uh, we got to know him during his time at Gibbon, his third stint in the Shrine Bowl, his second time uh, as the head coach, and uh, you've kind of got to see what the kids have gone through. You get to do the experience. I talked about it with Coach Huffman. I think I'll wrap it up uh, with the same question to you. All the guys could have said, you know what, I've done this twice. I can let somebody else do the this, this summer job. And now we even had more coaches this year. What is it that uh, kind of grabbed you to bring you back for a third time? There's a lot of stuff. Um, professionally, there's no higher honor for me in the state of Nebraska than to be picked to, you know, you go down the list of the North staff, head coach Mike Huffman, associate head coach Larry Martin, associate head coach Kurt Frenzen. Those three guys have state titles, all of them, and some of them have multiple state titles. The North or the South side, associate head coach Brandon Cool, associate head coach Kyle Peterson. Those guys got state titles. There's there's one guy in that six that doesn't. So how my name got? I think there must have been a misspelling or a misprint or something. Um, so professionally, being around those those caliber of coaches is is a no-brainer you you do that but once you've once you've done this game one time and you see that the the hashtag more than a game is not just a slogan it's not a it's not a catchy phrase that we use to sell tickets for a football game it's the truth it's more than a game and when Emberlin shows up Emberlin Hemmer our Southside captain, she shows up to be on the field on on Monday, and there's 45 instant smiles from our kids. Um, when she shows up tomorrow night at the banquet, there's 45 instant smiles from our kids. Like they, there's a genuine love there. Uh, there's a genuine admiration there, which I think is the number one lure to the Shrine Bowl is. People buy tickets to go watch a football game, and the kids on the football field are the are are some of the very few people that realize they're not the ones that should be admired. The kids that are playing the football game have they they understand that the real soldiers, the real athletes, the real heroes, not taking away from what they're doing on the field are sitting in the stands, in the press box, in the club seats, or they're on their sideline. Emberlin will be on our sideline, um, I assume, for a while. She's a ball of energy. Oh, my man. goodness. What a ball but, of energy. Like, who who can say no to someone calling you and saying, hey, I want you to coach a game of 18-year-old kids that are going to have more understanding – of the purpose of something than any fan, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. There's not a fan in the stands except someone with a fez that will understand why we're here more than the 90 young men on the game. Yep, that's well said. Awesome. Uh, coach, that's well said. You've been humble. I've known you for 
quite a few years, maybe not as much as I wish, but uh, you've always been humble, and I think that uh, uh, the Shrine has done the right thing by selecting you as a head football coach. I appreciate it. Mark, uh, we'll let you go uh, grab lunch and get back to work here because uh, I know when the ball gets kicked off, both teams really want to oh, win yeah. the game. Everybody's having some fun and working oh, yeah. around this. Great to see you, bud. You too. Thanks a lot Thanks, for Mark. having me. Uh, always appreciate what you guys do here at Doug and Daddy and covering high school sports in Nebraska. Thank you very much. Well, well said, and Thanks, we appreciate buddy. it too. Thank you, Mark McLaughlin. It is truly more than a game. There are so many storylines here. The head coaches who, for the first time in the history of the 65 years of the Shrine Bowl, have been head coaches before. Both of them lost their head coaching debut. So here they are, both looking for that first win. Both are UNK alums. Both have been assistant coaches here, which of course you have to be in order to be a head coach. Both know a lot of people back and forth and across the state. We have Carney High coaches that are here coaching on their home field. There's a lot of intrigue here today and just gives us more time to talk about it while we work out the rain delay. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the starting lineups as the band is coming out, as the players are coming out, the coaches are walking onto the field. We've got the scouts here that will be presenting the colors. They're going through their warm-ups here as well. And here are the starting lineups. We will start with the offensive starting lineups. First off, for the North football team, and they, of course, are coached by Mr. Michael Huffman out of Bellevue West. Glad to have uh, the coach, and I'm glad that uh, folks got to hear our chat with them earlier this year. And we'll just do it uh, numerically as we come across the, the line here. Let's take our uh, guards first. At left guard, number 74 from Millard North, Max Hogan, 6'2", 280 pounds. The right guard, 6'1", 285 pound, out of Millard North is Chris Frazier. The tackles at left tackle is John Barfield, number 52, 6'1", 245-pounder out of Omaha Benson. And the right tackle is Jace Wheeler, 6'1", 250-pounder out of Papillion La Vista. The starting center is number 72, Carter Yorth, 6'2", 245-pounder out of Elkhorn South. You're going to see a lot more of the wide receivers and the wide sets and the spread for the North team. Your wide receivers in the X, number four, Blake Moore out of Gretna, 6'2", 200-pounder. The Y is Zakai Parrott out of Omaha Burke, 6'3", 185-pounder. Will Benson is the Z out of Mount Michael Benedictine. He'll wear number 26, 6'5", 193 pounds. And also at the wideout, Alex Phelps out of Wayne, 6'4", 170 pounds. In the backfield, the starting running back will be Tayshawn Porter out of Omaha North, 5'11", 195 pounder. And the starting quarterback is Abram Schulting out of state champion Pierce, 6'180 pounds. Those are the offensive starters for the North team. The offensive starters for the South team on the line at offensive guard is Peyton McDonald, number 71, 6'2", 310-pounder out of Omaha West Side. The other offensive guard is Henry Sapensky out of Papillion, excuse me, is Luke Lambert. Uh, Luke Lambert out of Ashland Greenwood is the other offensive guard uh, starting here today, 6'3", 265 pounds. The tackles are Henry Sapensky out of Papillion, Slovista South, 6'3", 275 pounder, and Barrett Van Doon out of Millard West, 6'1", 250 pounds. The center is out of York, Cadence Veldy, 6'2", 285 pounds. 
The tight end is Cooper Skrebecki out of Waverly, 6'2", 195 pounds. He'll wear number 37. The wideouts are number three, Jack Baptista out of Lincoln Southwest, 5'9", 175 pounds. Also at wide receiver is number 81, Ashton Gregg out of Central City, 6'3", 190-pounder. And Adonis Hutchinson, number 83 out of Lincoln High, 6'1", 180 pounds. In the flex is going to be an eight-man All-Stater in Easton Weber, number 31 out of Bruning Davenport, 5'11", 200-pounder. The running back, the All-Stater out of Class B, Aurora, number 35, Carlos Colazzo, 5'10", 195 pounds. And the starting quarterback for the South All-Stars is Traven Beckman out of Kearney High, 6'195 pounder, who kind of came out of nowhere after a long lineage of incredible uh, quarterbacks at Kearney. He actually broke some of the records this year in his lone season as a starter for Kearney High. Coached by Mark McLaughlin out of Platteview, and a lot of people know from Central Nebraska, Mark, for his time uh, having Gibbon be a successful program and getting them into the playoffs a few times. Those are the offensive starters. Taking a look at the rest of the coaches on the South team from Platteview is Adam Kuhl and Nick Smith. From Aurora, Kyle Peterson is an associate coach along with Cole Ashby. Brandon Kuhl, an associate coach out of Kearney with Darren Van Winkle and Kyle Peterson, who you heard the coach talk about. And then you've also got Matt Bracken of York, Ryan Steeran of Papio South, Wade Halverson of Omaha Westside, Nick Smith-Platteview, James McCartney of Grand Island. North coaches Larry Martin, I believe, was the coach the first year it came out to Kearney. And uh, you heard coach talk about him out of Omaha North and Mike Pekorski out of Bellevue West. Wade McVeigh of Gretna, Trey Bradburn of Bennington, along with Lakeview's Jeff Bargan and uh, Jimmy Biggs, Battle Creek's Aaron Rudloff, Omaha North's Alonzo Tapp, Ricky Thurston, and Jared Mayenberg of Omaha Westview. Now let's take a look at uh, who's going to be out there on defense for the South squad. At defensive end, Dylan Baugh of Arapaho. Defensive tackle, Cade Sipe from Lincoln North Star, was injured, and so uh, they're going to go with Sal Naccarelli of Omaha Gross, and Aiden Barnby will get the start ahead of Dylan Baugh. Baugh will be the backup. So Aiden Barnby and Sal Narsa. Nacarelli from Omaha Gross. The nose tackle, Jack Allen of Aurora. Lance Rucker of Millard South will be at defensive end. Your Mike linebacker, Charlie Johnson of Waverly. Your Will linebacker, Garrett Hafes out of Lincoln Lutheran. The nickel, Aiden Planer out of Lincoln East. At corner, Keegan Mountain of Millard West and Will Petratz of Lincoln East. Jackson Heinrichs of Holdridge is the free safety. And Hayden Frank of Malcolm will be the strong safety. For the North team, your linebackers are Liam Blazer out of Columbus, Braxton Bohr of Columbus Lakeview, Ezra Vedrill out of Creighton Prep, and Dane Larson coming out of Blair. Other starters on defense, Colton Tilford of North Platte at strong safety, Colton Marsh of Grand Island at free safety. At the strong defensive end, Jackson Bo- Boss excuse me, out of Norfolk, Defensive tackle, Dawson Raby out of Pierce. At the nose, Aiden Betts of Elkhorn. Cooper Weitzel of Fremont Bergen at one corner. And then Victor Isley of Grand Island Northwest at defensive end. And the coaches talked about him as much as anybody on the offense, what he has been doing on the defense. One of the few times that a coach says we actually had to tell a guy to back it down a little bit in an all-star game. And those are your starting lineups brought to you by Five Points Bank, the better bank. We're getting closer to kickoff in about 15 minutes. Again, we did have a weather delay here in Kearney. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett's back with more on the Hogemeyer Hybrids pregame show right after this timeout. 
degrees. However, still mostly overcast skies. If that sun pops out, we're, of course, going to see that temperature start to rise. Then conditioning is going to come into play because many of these athletes played a winter sport and or they played a spring sport. So they're in shape. They're athletes. They've stayed in shape, especially for those that are going to go on to college ball. But they might not be in top football shape right now despite having a week of practice to get ready. So we might even see some timeouts and maybe even some cramping here early on. See how it all plays out. And putting the ball on the tee. We're ready to get things going. And the kicker. For the South team, number 99 out of Lincoln Southeast is Nate McCashlin. Again, there's some special rules that we'll be watching uh, throughout the night, and we'll see how those come into play. It's a fairly short kick that's going to be taken at the 12-yard line by Colton Tilford. He breaks it off the right side, 35-40, 50-40, right sideline. He will be shoved out of bounds. I don't think we've ever had the opening kickoff return for a touchdown in the Shrine Bowl, but we just about did right there. One of the things that we heard in all the pregame lead-up is that, yes, there's obviously a lot of Class A talent in the Omaha and Lincoln schools, but also North Platte, Grand Island, Kearney has a lot of talent. We saw some North Platte Bulldogs speed right there. Colton takes it all the way down to the 20-yard line to get this football game underway. A return of 67-yard. And we will have our first offensive play here for the Shrine Bowl. So Schulting is the quarterback. He'll be out of the spread formation. He'll move his running back to his left side, and Tayshawn Porter wants to throw. Schulting, fade, patted to the end zone, wide open, first play, touchdown. And the celebration already underway. They're going to do a little bowling here for Alex Phelps out of Wayne. One pass and a touchdown. And as you heard, the folks from the south maybe have some inexperienced defensive backs uh, coming over that usually play offense to play defense and maybe got burned right there to start the game. One of the weaknesses we knew about the south team is they were going to be pretty thin at quarterback. One of the things we also knew about the north team is when Colton Marsh from Grand Island had a pick six in practice earlier this week, they didn't celebrate in the end zone. His words, they partied in the end zone. Now, Coach Huffman necessarily didn't like that too much. Ask him to dial it back again. But in that case, they didn't really pay attention to Coach Huffman. He doesn't. He can't make him run lines or uh, laps around the field because uh, they lined up and they went bowling. Well, Nolan Elo from Amherst comes in to add the extra point at 11:43 to go in the first quarter. The North has the lead, seven to nothing. You're listening to the 65th annual Shrine Bowl on NCN Radio. Making a living, making things grow is a hard life, but it's a good life. You've been looking for. Ravenna Sanitation, serving all of Buffalo County. Five, four, three, two, one. Nolan Elo has it on the tee, and we are ready for our second kickoff. We'll have to check that may be the fastest score in Shrine Bowl history, just 17 seconds in. There's all kinds of records, but not much there. It's going to be a squib kick, 
that does the job. Bounces about four times. Picked up at the 12-yard line by Jack Baptista. Comes right side at the 25 to the 30, then into the sidelines, running over some folks at the 35-yard line. Even our head trainer who we have talked to out of Texas for 40-plus years, a part of the Shrine Bowl, and he had to get out of the way and didn't, but he pops right back up, Dave does. One of those scary scary signs is is when you have to call a trainer over, but what happens when you have to call a trainer for the trainer because he just about got in the way of the A-train? All right, so first down and 10 here for the South squad. Trayvon Beckman of Kearney will take the first snap and get a little hometown love from the crowd. At the 34-yard line, Beckman, a little slant pattern, complete at the 40, breaking a tackle at the 42. Still on his feet is going to be Baptista, and finally about the fourth man to hit him brings him down, even though it is short of a first down. Made about four more yards after the short completion. Out to the 43, it'll be second down and one. Baptista this year had 41 receptions for almost 700 yards. All city, Arnold, all city honors for Lincoln Southwest. And they'll go quickly. Take the snap. Hand it off over the left side. The running back is Carlos Calazo. He got the first down, and maybe that's about it. A yard gain out to the 44. Here is a young man that is, you know, you talk about him being bowling balls. He's just not the biggest kid at 5'10", 195, but he was one of the best running backs in the state, and that's why he's here in this football game. Said, and I appreciated his honesty, he's not necessarily going to win a track meet, but he is football fast, and he's going going to school at Concordia to make that uh, chance at the next level. Ball in the middle of the field, trips to the right side. They'll fake it to Colazzo, swing it out here in the flat to Micah Hackbart of Seward, makes a man miss, and then is pulled down at the 50 yard line stepping out of bounds after a gain of six good little move and contact out there who wants to block the most sometimes that becomes an issue in the game as well it really is because you know these guys have practiced for the last week but they haven't had live contact for six months maybe longer so sometimes it takes a while to get that juice going again and there's only certain defenses you can play here in the Shrine Bowl. In motion is going to be Hackbart on a sweep. They'll go with a counterplay. Colazzo off the right side, finds a hole, and gets another first down into North Territory at the 44-yard line. That's going to be a gain of six. And, of course, one of the guys that he gets to follow or could be following is Jack Allen, but his teammate playing on the defensive side of the football here tonight. First down and ten. 7-0 already in favor of the North after a 67-yard return set up a short field. Beckman, three-step drop, going to go for it all down the middle of the football field. One hand almost caught and dropped by Ashton Gregg of Central City. It kind of hung up in the air there, Brandon, and he wasn't quite sure what he was going to do to try and catch it, put the left paw up there, and I thought he was going to haul it in for a moment. He had to make a slight adjustment because he was running a true post pattern, go down about 10, 15 yards, and then go toward the back center of the end zone. But unfortunately, Trey Beckman just pushed the ball a little bit to his left. He had to make an adjustment. That's the reason he had to reach out with the one hand and couldn't quite make the catch. Cooper Weitzel on the defensive side of that. Here's going to be a pitch play out to Colazzo, sweep to the left side. He's going to step out of an ankle tackle and get five more than he should have. They had him at the line of scrimmage, and he'll get to the 40 and bring up third down. And about six yards to go. Third time Colazzo has had the ball in a running play or a pass play, and the fourth broken tackle he has so far this game. The Shrine Bowl brought to you by Casa of Buffalo in Kearney Counties, Family Physical Therapy, and Minden Exchange Bank. On third and six, Beckman. Swing pass out here in the flat again, complete to Hackbart. Breaks one tackle, but not going to get much. Maybe a half a yard from the 41 to the 40. Now you're in the interesting territory. It's fourth and five. 
And it looks like they're going to keep the offense out there. They're all looking over to the sideline to see exactly what coach wants to do as he paces kind of away from everybody. It's really in that shadow area, even though you have an all-star kicker. The ball spot on the 40-yard line, meaning it would be a 57-yard field goal. Win is kicked up just a little bit, running it right to left across the goalpost. Trips to the near side, the short side. They go for it, fourth at about six. Here's a pass down the middle of the football field. Looking for it at the 10. It's going to be knocked away. Getting a hand on it is Braxton Bohr out of Columbus Lakeview. Some pressure coming as Beckman tried to hit Adonis Hutchinson of Lincoln High, and they'll turn it over on downs. The North, leading at 7 to nothing, will take over at their own 40. I've seen Trayvon Beckman throw that ball a hundred times. The one problem was is because of that pressure you mentioned, he had to throw it off of his back foot. If he would have had one more split second to be able to load up with his back foot and really get into it, he could have let his receiver another half step. Would have been a touchdown. But in that case, allowed the defensive back to get there and break up the play. Hello, Victor Isley. He just blew by his offensive lineman out of Northwest and put the pressure on. All right, we're ready to go with the second offensive play. The first one was a touchdown pass here for the north of 20 yards. And Abram Schulting expected to split a little time. Stands in the pocket, goes deep down the field again. There is a lot of hand fighting down there, and it is incomplete going for Blake Moore, who was not open on the play. Good one-on-one coverage down there against Garrett Hafes out of Lincoln Lutheran. Moore out of Gretna on the pass incomplete at the 30-yard line of the South. 9-13 to go first quarter, north 7, south nothing. We have talked several times about the all-star officials on the field. One of the things that I really think that, as we talked about those tweaks, Doug, is that the Shrine Bowl could tweak and add two more officials. We have a back judge, but we don't have a side judge and a field judge. Those other two judges in the defensive backfield could add more all-stars that way. Yeah, with the college uh, type of officiating swing pass out here in the flat this time it is complete to Blake Moore a much shorter sideline route caught at the 46 and gets out to the 48 yard line so it'll be third down and short after a gain of eight this is exactly what we expected out of head coach Michael Huffman one back set maybe occasionally an empty back set but a lot of two by twos and three by ones throwing the ball all over the field setting them up here with third and short yeah I wouldn't expect a whole lot of Running in this ball game from Tayshawn Porter, the starting back. Third and two. Let's see if they give it to him. Nope. Going to keep it himself. Schulte. Good cut back up the middle of the field. First down and more. 50 into South Territory inside the 45. And he'll be brought down at the 42-yard line. Boy, what a great cut he made. And for fans here in Kearney that live here, they're hoping he can bring that to the UNK football team when he suits up next year behind T.J. Davis and a few others that know how to play the football game. In his career at Pierce, 6,400 yards, 99 passing touchdowns, also ran for more than 1,600 yards. So he's got that run pass ability that Coach Held is going to be looking for. First down and 10 at the 42 of the south. This time they will hand it off to Porter. Not much there. He grinds and gets inside the 40 to the 39. In there on the tackle for the south is Jack Allen of Aurora. The 65th Annual Shrine Bowl brought to you by Nutrient Ag Solutions, CHS, and the Buffalo County Fair. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett's with you here. 7.50 and counting in the first quarter. Again, we started about 30 minutes late because of some weather that came through our area late this afternoon. Trips to the high side, ball on the near hash. Single back there, Let's throw a little screen pass and maybe making the catch. No, they're going to wave it incomplete. Trying to get a wide receiver screen set up out there. He's already kind of decided that Blake Moore is going to be his favorite target. 
That was hard just to even see. Moore was in traffic and had to come back and make sure that nobody else wearing white was going to get to that. And even if he had caught the ball, it would have been for about a half-yard completion. Third down and seven. If you're listening to this game and you're wondering, wow, that's a lot of passes for the North team, yes, that's part of Mike Huffman's coaching mantra, head coach of Bellevue West, but also it favors that on the defense who can only play a 4-3. They cannot stunt and they cannot blitz on defense. Zakai Parrott moves over to the slot on the right side. On third down and long, first time that they have had this situation in the ball game. Low snap, quarterback keeper, Schulting off the left side. Breaks one tackle at the 38, gets inside the 35, and is going to be close enough that it will be fourth down at about a yard, picking up four or five more yards after contact. The tackle, Lance Rucker out of Millard South, and it will be fourth down and one. And let's see what they do with the jumbo package maybe. Lance Brester from Howells is going to come in. They're going to take the... uh, Running back Porter out of the ball game. They'll keep Schulting in an empty set shotgun here on fourth and a half a yard. Extra tight end, twins each side, quarterback keeper right off the right side, and it's enough for the first down. Stacked up, gets a little bit more inside the 30. He'll work his way to the 27-yard line. That's six for Abram Schulting. And keep the drive alive here for the North. Already ahead, 7 to nothing, with 6.40 to go in the first quarter of the Shrine Bowl. Jackson Boss was in there helping to block one of the guys that might play both ways. Uh, a lot of the coaches, or both the coaches, said it's pretty designated this year about who's O, who's D for their team. Trips to the right side, single set back to the left side, back in. One running back, throw a fly pattern down the right side, feet get tangled up, and there will be no flag. Again, looking for more. Or is there a flag? I didn't see the flag. Far side, 12-yard line, the back judge threw it just as they were getting tangled up. I don't think that's where the penalty occurred, but that's where the flag landed about three yards out of bounds. Will Potratz covering from Lincoln East. So we've had a couple of instances there where they were going for a Blake Moore of Gretna. They didn't throw it the first time. They did there. And so it will be a first down. And our head trainer's out there with Jake Wolf uh-huh. for some reason. I don't know what's going on. It's not hot enough to have a water break halfway through the quarter. The ball after the penalty is marked inside the 15 at the 14-yard line. And maybe they're, I see Bill Murphy down there looking at the radar. And hopefully we're not already pulling guys off. And that looks like exactly what the near side south team is doing. Well, there you go. Lightning in the area. Eight miles. Well, is that the area? Two miles. Is that the area? The rule here is eight miles. And so we have played less than half a quarter here in the Shrine Bowl, and we are in a lightning delay. And for our affiliates... Across the state of Nebraska, Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett's. We will keep it here for a little while, try to ascertain uh, some more uh, information and uh, let you know what has happened already in the ball game. We are going to take a two-minute break. This is a two-minute break for everyone uh, across 
our network. Uh, we did not anticipate multiple weather delays here, but we do have a weather break right now with 6.17 to go in the first quarter of play, and we have a lightning delay after the game started at 6.30. We've only really had about 13 minutes of actual football. So 6.17 to go. The North had a 67-yard kickoff return by Tilford out of North Platte to the 20-yard line, and Schulting, Abram Schulting of Pierce, hooked up with Alex Phelps of Wayne on the very first offensive play for a uh, 20-yard touchdown. Nolan Lanilo of Amherst added the extra point and made it 7 to nothing. So it's just a short walk to the locker rooms here adjacent to the field for the players, and then it's kind of up to the fans what they want to do. They would like them to vacate the steel bleachers or aluminum bleachers that a lot of folks have across the state of Nebraska and they have here at UNK. So let's see if we can get you a little bit more information. And we have a two-minute break. You're listening to the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl on News Channel Nebraska Radio. All right, Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett's back with you at UNK's Foster Field. And uh, we have a lightning delay. We had a delay in getting warmed up. And uh, folks got out on the field at about 6 o'clock to go through their uh, warm-ups, and we kicked off just a little bit before 6.30. And in this day and age, almost every one of you out there has a phone that you can pull up, and you can tell that it is not raining in Kearney, and we would rather have a sprinkle, but there is lightning. So they've cleared the band. They're going to take them to a nearby building. They've taken the uh, coaches and players, and they're going to be close to the uh, locker rooms here, and what we have been told is that it will be a 30-minute delay. Now, again, Brandon, unfortunately, I don't think the Shriners have anywhere that we know of said what to do in this situation. This has only happened once. This was when we had a delay in the fourth quarter of well over an hour uh, the first year that it was here, second year that it was here uh, in Kearney, and so we were in the fourth quarter. They called the game. The coaches decided agreed on it i think it was about you might go back it might have been 617 that's what we've got here in the first quarter uh and and decided we'll just call it off obviously uh, these guys want to play a lot more football here tonight of course you have to maintain safety for the players the fans the families that are all here but anybody who's ever experienced a lightning delay at a football game it might be the most excruciating and frustrating thing of your life because at least for the NSAA and the NCA rule, any lightning strike within eight miles automatically then resets that 30-minute clock. So you could be at 29 and a half minutes and a lightning strike goes off seven and a half miles away. And all of a sudden you're back at another 30, which means you've delayed the game an hour. Then the extra delay on top of that is, let's say we get through that half an hour, then and only then can they bring people back Many times, if it's an extended delay, they want to warm up, and we get that. So there's a lot of things that we understand, but as my dad would say, it's just plain frustrating. Well, the weird thing about this is you don't see weather systems and wind out of the east. And I learned this in college, in meteorological school, you know, in meteorology, the class. There's like 15 days a year that the wind comes out of the east, out of 365. And uh, the problem is, when it does come out of the east, that usually means bad things. Severe, yes. Well, and, and folks across Nebraska saw that 
uh, right around district track. Uh, the week of district track, we had that weird system that kind of backed up and went all the way from Fremont and Columbus and backed up around O'Neill and Ainsworth and Bassett and went back over into the Sand Hills around Thedford where they really got hit hard in Burwell. And that's kind of what we see right now. I mean, the wind is not blowing hardly at all, but our friends just down the road listening to us in Gibbon, and for those of you across the state of Nebraska, that's about 11 to 13 miles east of where we are at. We look at the radar, and there are some really good rain that's going on north and northeast of here uh, towards Ravenna and Carroll, which is just west of Grand Island. And then there's a more significant rain uh, that is going on up around uh, Custer County in the Broken Bow area, and then way out in the western, well, way out, uh, between North Platte and McCook, there is a, a cell out there. I sound like I'm from the metro now uh, when you say way out, but to our friends out there. And then in the Sandhills, it's raining uh, in Ogallala, Arthur, Tryon, up to Mullen. You see uh, just northeast of Mullen, some significant. But living here in Kearney for uh, some 26 years, Brandon, I'm looking at this radar, and Kearney is one of those towns that you'll see a storm start in McCook, and you don't hardly ever get a drop of rain by the time it gets to Kearney. Lexington might, Elm Creek, which is only about eight miles west of here, could get it, but it seems to split when it gets to Kearney, unlike when it gets to Grand Island. Grand Island, as they've talked about that being Tornado Alley. Uh, but you look at the radar here, and it looks like we would be in the clear for a long, long time if we could get one of those 25-mile-an-hour winds that we've had all spring long to blow this a little bit quicker uh, out of the east. The Lord has a sense of humor most often expressed through ironing. So for the last, what, several weeks, if not several months, we've all been playing, praying for rain, need rain. Our farmers and ag producers need rain. Well, we got a little rain two days ago. We got a little rain yesterday. We're getting some rain today. And now we're getting into lightning delay. So be careful with what you wish for and specifically how and when you wish for it. The clouds are getting a little funky here to the northeast of uh, Foster Field. But again, we can only see half the horizon uh, to our east as we sit here at UNK's Foster Field. We have not seen one tick of lightning. I have not heard one tick of thunder. Folks that have been out in the parking lot or before said, yeah, we saw some back over to the west and northwest. I mean, this isn't a figment. But, again, you've got somebody looking at a phone determining whether this game can continue or not. This is not like the good old days. And I get it. you got to have some safety out there. But uh, you, 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 there's there's a yin and a yang here. Where Where is safe? How far is eight miles? That's a long way away. I really like Coach Huffman's line earlier about being fair but not necessarily equal. We need to, of course, protect safety. That's paramount. But at some point in time, you also have to have a sense of reasonableness in terms of how we're going to do this because we had a very packed home grandstand side of the field here at Ron and Carol Cope Stadium at Foster Field. Not many on the far side. The The band was taking up most of the north side bleachers. So for a seating capacity of about 6,500, it looked like a good strong crowd of you know, 35, maybe, maybe four. There were a lot of people here and certainly a lot of, a lot of groups hanging out in the south end here. By the time you get rid of all of them, you push them out. They basically fend for themselves. They can go either to the student union or to Cushing or back to their car. Then all of a sudden we have to have a way of notifying everyone, and there's no one single way to do that. And so then you're trying to get everyone to come back in at a predetermined time so you can play a football game. If nothing weird happens, 7.15-ish would be the time that we could 
resume the football game. Our high school Shrine Bowl brought to you by Hellman, Maine, Costler, and Cottle, Broadfoot, Sand and Gravel, and Holdridge Irrigation. Again, we are in a lightning delay with 6.17 to go in the first quarter of the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl at UNK's Foster Field with the North on top 7 to nothing and threatening again in the red zone when this game does resume. Again, for those that are monitoring across the network here, uh, we're going to take a two-minute break, and we will be back with more. So stay with us, a two-minute break, and we will be back with more from the Shrine Bowl in Kearney right after this. Again, something that has only happened for the second time since the Shrine Bowl has been in Kearney at the University of Nebraska at Kearney and Foster Field. We are in a weather delay. 6.17 to go here in the first quarter. The North leading the South by a score of uh, 7 to nothing. I think a lot of folks that are listening are probably either are or associated with Kansas City Royals baseball. <laughs> and, and with it being the largest network, they kind of all know what happens when you go into a weather delay. Uh, we're going to try and keep it here, folks, uh, until that 7.15 mark, unless they change that. And then if that does happen, we will continue to give you updates often here from UNK, hoping to play football. And, again, I'm not a, a weather guy. Uh, I'm not Kent Bouton. But uh, I'm just looking at the radar, and we're again, it's not raining a drop right now in Kearney, but it is a lightning delay. And uh, if we can get through this first one, it doesn't look like there would be anything for a little while here, according to the same weather that uh, they're looking at that I'm looking at. So does that make you Denny Matthews and me Fred White? Well, you don't want to be Fred. <laughs> but Fred's not with us anymore. I know. Fred we was, love Fred, who got his Fred start was a good at KHAS. Absolutely. Hastings. He always did good things uh, for us here in central Nebraska. But, you know, there's a lot what we would have talked about at halftime, and maybe we still will, but a lot of interesting stories uh, that come with uh, the Shrine Bowl too, Brandon. And uh, I know you had a couple of those that you wanted to share. We have just so many different coincidences and those that – crossover so many different ways we have both of our head coaches here that have coached in the shrine bowl have been have been head coaches before we've never had that before both head coaches have at least their undergraduate degrees from unk both have learned from their experience because both lost their head coaching debuts here and have a chance to atone that but we also have again one of those reasons that this is so much more than just a game on the south team antoine carter from boys town was the Character Counts Award winner. So when you look at what these players do, not just to become captains to be voted on, but also what their teammates vote on in terms of their own character, congratulations goes to Antoine Carter from Boys Town from the South. He is the Character Counts Award winner for the South. And for the North team, Ezra Vedral, somebody whose name you've already called here for his play on the field, he was the Character Counts Award winner, obviously a senior from Creighton Prep. He's going to play football at the University of Kansas. And study in engineering, which if you look that up in the original Hebrew, means he's going to be making more money than either one of us. <laughs> but Ezra Vedral, he is the Character Counts Award winner for the North Squad. We talk about the honorary captains. And this year you have 8-year-old Emberlyn Hemmer and 12-year-old Jaden Thompson, and Jaden actually is from my hometown of Ord, and uh, she is 12 years old, the daughter of uh, Jason and Jamie Thompson, an older brother, Jacob, a patient at Shriners Hospital for 10 years, uh, was very enjoyable from the start, and uh, has been to Minneapolis, Boys Town for satellite clinics, 
and uh, she's an active member of the Valley County 4-H. Uh, her pictures here that they're showing uh, along with her bio in the program uh, have her in her Nebraska Junior Hereford Association and showing cattle. Uh, just finished the sixth grade at St. Mary's Catholic School in Ord. She'll go over to Ord High School. She loves to play volleyball, basketball, softball, involved in CCD, been an altar server and a lector at uh, her church, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. She include, her hobbies include showing cattle, lambs, and goats, hanging out with her friends like all the young kids like to do. And then Emerlyn Heber, if you saw any of the television coverage earlier this week, you saw Emerlyn. She is eight years old and, as it said, going on 18 Full of life, personality. She likes to uh, work with her grandma's phone, record a video of herself singing or dancing or just chatting and then uh, sharing that with everybody else, maybe even on her grandma's Facebook page. When her mother was 15 weeks pregnant, she had uh, the instinct that something was wrong and something did happen. The doctor diagnosed Emmy with caudal regression syndrome. It's an extremely rare congenital condition that affects how the lower part of the body develops in the womb in which a segment of the spine and spinal cord fails to develop. And without getting overly deep and reading the whole thing, she's basically... Uh, doesn't have her legs uh, below a, a certain point. And she was out there doing push-ups and playing games and, as as the bio said, as energetic as any 18-year-old would be. And they're captains for this year's game and have been around all week. And the players, of course, you know, all talked about having that relationship uh, with their kids over the years. And you never know what path is going to take you where, but to to be part of their lives after you leave here, you don't hear that all the time because you move on. But they are. They're, they're, you've got an 8-year-old here that probably is going to have some of these Striners at her graduation or some kind of event in her future, same way for uh, Jane Thompson there, uh, that they become – friends after just hanging out here we know the guys become friends you know they've been rivals there's a couple of them we can talk about here uh, Carson Kudlachuk and the young man from Malcolm uh, have battled in basketball and now they're buddies uh, a lot easier to do that these days because you'll see each other at camp or you can have the cell phone or social media or Facebook years and years ago rivalries were rivalries you didn't know these guys you didn't get a chance to know these guys and maybe when you were at Shrine Camp which back in the day was just short of two weeks a lot of things changed, and uh, it changes the lives of these 90 young men that are playing here. And it really has an opportunity to impact them for the rest of their lives because these are guys that are going to going to go on to be fathers and then very likely husbands, husbands and then fathers, and then they're going to grow up to be members and leaders of their community. Maybe they get involved in Shriners, and maybe if they don't get involved in Shriners, they see what you can do through giving and philanthropy. They go on to be key members of their own towns, whether it's a small town or a large town. They then go and have an impact to then help out, whether it's small children that have issues like this, maybe it's older people. They see the value of contributing to others in society. And so whether or not they they become Shriners, they certainly become impact players philanthropically in the community for the rest of their lives. Well, uh, and it's a great impact. And, again, they've been doing just the Shrine game for 65 years. They already had the uh, parade here today, which was extremely successful. Uh, A lot of folks were in downtown Kearney for the Shriners. And the scooters are a little bit different. Uh, There's some four-wheelers. There's some uh, things that are added to that. But it was well attended. If you missed it in the pregame, we were talking about the 650-plus that were at the uh, Shrine 
banquet last night at the Eunice Conference Center here in Kearney just gets larger and larger every year. You know, some folks thought that maybe the Shrine game was dying. It's not dying. You can find that six. It's different. It's different. There is no doubt about it. It's different. It's not in Lincoln. It's not at Memorial Stadium. It's not two weeks long. The way that college is these days, your Division One guys don't wait till August to report. They report right after high school. We're talking with Victor Isley of Northwest. He goes this upcoming week to North Dakota State. He has one week off, and then he's heading north. And So much of that, Doug, is just a societal change. I mean, not, not so many years ago when I was teaching driver ed here at Kearney, we would have a class that was two weeks long. Now it's one week long maybe, and a lot of that is done online. You come, you do your on-street, you do your other driving, and then you're done. So it's not just the Shrine Bowl that's made. It's other things that have just shortened themselves down because there's so many options right now, and, and especially – if you're a talented athletic senior of any sport, either gender, you're going to have so many options for the summer. You've got to get in and do as many things as you can because you've got to report early. We are in a lightning delay here at the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. If you are just tuning in from across the state of Nebraska here on News Channel Nebraska Radio, uh, you see a few of the players and coaches just kind of standing outside because it does get a little warm and muggy in that locker room. We've seen that from time to time, and they're just – waiting to see when they can play again. 6.17 to go. We're only in the first quarter. The North is on top 7 to nothing. When we resume, they'll have it first and 10 at the South 13 already. Abram Schulting hooking up with uh, Alex Phelps out of Wayne. Schulting looking pretty good uh, running the ball and throwing the ball so far uh, in this contest. The South has only been able to possess the ball one time, and they were stopped on fourth down and five at the 40-yard line, which is where the North drive here began. A pass interference has set them up here at the uh, 13 yard line also we talked about the shrine bowl used to be about it that was the that was the all-star game in nebraska then the nebraska coaches association came along uh, with their coaches clinic and we had all-star basketball games they've added volleyball they've added softball next it last night we had the six-man all-star game out in shadron between nebraska and wyoming we have so many all-star basketball and volleyball games that go on uh, there was one at Grand Island Central Catholic last night for Strive and Tom Dinsdale. Uh, we'll have the uh, Nebraska Kidney coming up here in less than two weeks in Minden. Next week, you have the West Nebraska All-Star Volleyball and Football Games in Scotts Bluff. You've got the Northeast Nebraska All-Star Football Game. Two weeks from today, we will have the Sertoma 8-Man All-Star Game in Hastings, which we will have for you uh, here in the Tri-Cities on uh, ESPN Radio. And uh, the month of June is just packed with All-Star Games. Uh, We had some right before Memorial Day. Uh, Cambridge uh, was one of the spots they had All-Star. They're just happening all over the state of Nebraska. There are always a select few that we saw here today and this week that we will see, like an Easton Weber of Brooding Davenport Shickley, who will be at the eight-man All-Star game. And... A kid from Howells, they're always in that northeast. Uh, we talked about that earlier in this ball game. that could be playing all-star football for three consecutive weeks, whether it's the Shrine and the eight-man, and then either out of the west Nebraska or the northeast Nebraska all-star game. Isn't that something because, as you said, not so long ago, this was the only game in town, figuratively and literally, pun intended. And now we have so many ways to recognize so many different athletes. And on one hand, I get it. If you're an athlete, you should be recognized. I think an all-star game is nice. But after a while, you're like, how many how many times can we all-star the all-star game? So I hope that we don't outgrow it. 
so that it loses its impact and importance. Because I think one is too few for the state of Nebraska. But right now we're getting to the point where if we have three consecutive All-Star games, if we have basically a month or a month and a half of All-Star games across the state of Nebraska, it diminishes the weight of the message. Again, we are here in a break at the Shrine Bowl, a lightning delay. Again, uh, trying to kind of ascertain there's a 30-minute break. Well, when can the players come back out? Can you play in 30 minutes? you got to get out there, and, and I don't know how you stay warmed up. They w- wouldn't be too bad, but uh, this wouldn't be the longest break in the world. But uh, we will see uh, what happens when they get going. And we are going to, at least for this first and what we hope is only break, and even the skies, they're clearing up here. And, of course, we're at 7.07 Central Time. Uh, we still have at least two hours of pretty good light to see what happens out there. And uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But we're going to keep it with you here. We expect, and nothing has been told to us, that there's been any additional lightning strikes in this 30-minute window. So we would be able to play between 7.15 and 7.20. And, again, that would be uh, in about 10 minutes. But we won't be playing in 10 minutes, I can tell you that right now, because nobody's around uh, to get out there and and get the game going. But, again, so many great stories out here uh, to talk about and look at, and hopefully they can get back out there and play football because I think it will be an interesting chess match between these teams. I really think it is because you're going to see Coach Michael Huffman, the head coach of the North squad, who really wants to throw the ball all over, may run at the obligatory once or twice to keep him honest. Whereas head coach Mark McLaughlin and anybody here in central and south central Nebraska has seen him coach at Gibbon, he's much more balanced. Well, is that balance going to be enough to offset? Because if his defense gets tired, we've already seen his defense be suspect at corner once and got picked on another time over here. That's what set him up in the first inside the red zone. It's It could be a long day for the south squad if the defense has to be on the field for a while. All right, we are in a lightning delay here at the Shrine Bowl, and you are listening on News Channel Nebraska Radio across the state of Nebraska. We're going to take another two-minute timeout to hear from some of our great sponsors, and we'll be right back to Kearney. And we are back here at the University of Nebraska, Kearney, waiting out our second lightning delay of the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. And Again, more people milling around, and like always, uh, Doug Duda here with Brandon Bennett. Brandon, everybody just... They're asking questions and not getting answers, and uh, somebody sometime will give them the all clear. And that's the bad thing. Uh, if, it, if it would get really bad, I don't think they're hanging around to play tomorrow. No, I really don't think so either because, as we've, as we've talked about, these athletes already have so many other things going on. And here we are on a Saturday. Well, you've got a Sunday, and, a, and for a lot of folks that's a travel day because they're going back home to wherever home is because they got to work on Monday, or that's the start of the next camp or the next pre-workout for going to whatever college that they're going to, or as we just mentioned uh, before this past break, maybe they've got another All-Star game to get to. So Monday's going to be an important day. I don't see them delaying this overnight to get this in. I really hope that after this lightning delay, and we're starting to see clouds and the skies clear up, to our east, to our north, and to our east, maybe 15, 20 minutes ago, we saw a little bit of a shelf cloud emerged, and we started getting a wind coming out of the east, which is always a dangerous thing, as we mentioned. We then started to see some things clear off. So let's uh, rub the lucky rabbit's foot 
and uh, cross whatever fingers that you want to cross, and uh, let's hope we're up and uh, playing football here in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes. 6.17 to go in the first quarter, north 7, south nothing. I think getting back to uh, the game here a little bit and what's gone on behind it, one of the cool things is with all these coaches here, you still have their amazement, like Michael Huffman. He's never really seen the two quarterbacks because they're not Class A quarterbacks in uh, Schulting and Bird, uh, his quarterbacks that are, that are coming out here. And he goes, you know, we sat down with him. You might have heard some of this in the pregame. We're not going to change our offense, but what do you like to run? We've got enough plays. What do you like to run? Do you want to run this to the right? Do you like running this to the left? Do you do these kind of things at, uh, at your two uh, schools in Bennington for Trey Bird or at Pierce for Avram Schulting, who I believe they were 51-1 and one combined their last two years of high school football as quarterbacks, and getting to see some of the other talent that is out there. Mark McLaughlin may be a little bit different. Uh, now, now uh, Coach Huppin was at Fort Calhoun, so he's obviously seen some sea ball, but it's been a now for a long long time and he knows what Kearney and Grand Island and and North Platte and Fremont and Columbus have uh, because they will if they don't play them some of the opponents that they scout you will see that but just the pure joy of seeing what some of these players do out there and one of the kind of the tough things especially when we call it on radio is you know we're talking about the running back and the wide receiver and the kick returner and the kicker we're not talking much about the offensive lineman and the offensive guard and the center. They're out there making their blocks, and if a hole opens for Colazzo or somebody out there, then we're going to tell you about them. But the guys that are out there and, and seeing some of the Class C guys hold their own with the Class A All-Staters, it's just a really cool experience that happens here all the time. And the reverse of that is for Bird and Schulting, and really for everybody else, is for most of these players, they've only known one head coach in their high school career. Of course, you have those that, you know, head coach leaves or for, for whatever reason. But for the majority of these players, they've only known one head coach. Well, this allows them to figure out and get used to how another coach and coaching staff operates, someone they don't know. They may not know or understand their system. So they're getting another set of coaching for a week, just like they would at summer camp. And then for those going on, that's going to help them out at the next level because here come August, they're going to have to learn yet another coach's system. So all of this aids in the experience that they're going to get on the field wherever their next step takes them. Again, uh, we have hit the uh, 30-minute mark here since the uh, delay of the football game, which was at about 6.43 Central Time, and there has been no announcement, no update. We have not been made aware of when the game will resume. Again, it is a lightning delay. It is not raining here in Kearney. And again, because we can only see about half the horizon to our north, our south, and our east, if it's behind us to the west, we will not be able to see it. But again, the whole time we have not seen lightning or heard thunder. This is basically what's going on uh, with, uh, with the lightning around the area. Stu Pospisil's with us. Have you learned anything? I would like some information, Stu. Here, hold on. Let me. You know, you know what they have in radio and television? They have headsets and microphones. So uh, Stu's been over there probably able to ascertain. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> We've got you inside. Stu Pospisil, Omaha World Herald. What have you been able to hear? Well, what they have told the coaches, 40 minutes, and this was a couple minutes ago, should we back on the field? We're going to be playing running clock and 10-minute halftime. So 40 minutes from the lightning delay or 40 minutes from 40 minutes from when I uh, texted with Michael Huffman. Huh. 
And how so, long ago was that? What I calculate is that it would be about 755. Now, they may have to do a little warm-up there, too. I, again, I don't. But that's just way texted. Eight o'clock-ish. Eight o'clock-ish, either right. side. That would definitely. Uh, and so running clock is going to be like uh, when we have a blowout. Th- a blowout football game, and halftime is 10 minutes, and that's assuming the band is able to come back. And it is actually raining. It is raining. This is the Carnegie most rain Island. I've seen yeah. since I left Omaha. So we've been talking about that. Uh, unfortunate circumstances, and um, again, we want to we play. We want to give these kids a chance to be out here. They've been here all week and done what has been asked of them. There has been, uh, and we're usually pretty good about hearing if something weird goes on. I don't think there's been a single incident to, to report unless it happened yesterday, and I don't think anything happened yesterday. They were busy with o- practice. Other than a little aggression with the uh, bumper cars. That was the last I saw him was Thursday afternoon. So if Mike, they, Mike Huffman was having to get off the phone to uh, do a little uh, policing. Ah, there you he go. He says it's been a great week. Both, both, both camp coaches you know, were very happy with what, what transpired. They thought they had great uh, groups of captains. I think it's really cool, too, and we talked about them on the coin, on the coin flip. I think there's, it's an experience that only Mike and, and Mark McLaughlin have had. No one else has been a Shrine coach, a head coach for a second time, and you get a chance to maybe tweak some things uh, the first time you're, you you come in and, and want to do everything right, and the second time you go, I did it right the first time, we're going to do it right the second time, but we're just going to do it a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, I don't ever see this 12-coach 12, 12 situation b- being repeated. So pretty cool, and uh, Stu with us here. Uh, any any other sports news that you want to share with us in this delay? Well, I wanted to recount what happened at the first Shrine Bowl. Okay. Because hopefully they won't repeat what they did at the first Shrine Bowl. You're going to have to tell me. Well, we share had a severe me. thunderstorm that night. Okay. And so we played on Sunday. Oh, you were covering that, weren't you? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, that was Greg McBride. <laughs> I, I, I was still three years away from conception, or two years away from conception. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it, like I said, you, you know, you can't outdo Mother Nature, so. I just, I, unfortunately, amateur meteorologist I am, among other amateur things, we're in that north, it's the southeast and northwest flow coming out of Oklahoma, and it just looks like it's going to keep training right Right through, through the Tri City, it's just triangle. It's just well, it's not sitting. It just keeps flowing. It's like it just continually stirs. Well, the comma pattern that we've seen so many times, especially for those major winter storms, doesn't bode well for us here here in early because, June. Because either. all this on Doug's phone is still, it will continue to comma its way up. Yeah, we were talking about it during this break. Uh, it was kind of like what happened the week at District Track that we had uh, that big th- went from Fremont to Columbus to O'Neill to Ainsworth back into the Sand Hills, and it just kind of sat there for a long, long time and kept getting bigger and bigger as that. Uh, we as would that take went. the comma in Omaha. How about this? Uh, I mean, we've only played less than six minutes, but uh, Mr. Abram Schulting has looked pretty good. Yeah, he ha- well, uh, actually. The first, the, the remaining lightning bolt, or so we thought, was Colton Tilford's, yeah. and we never have had a kickoff return touchdown. Came close to it. Period, or just the opening kickoff? Period. Wow. See, that, that, that's the first page of your uh, 
uh, wonderful media guide. My researcher was looking for that, and we just didn't come across it right away. Well, they, they have they, offense, they they, defense, but no special teams yeah, records. Do. Oh, well, they do for um, uh, scoring plays. Yeah. So no, no. What in the in the Manila? Ah. The co- the colored section. We are in a uh, weather delay, lightning We're delay ramping. for a little while, and uh, yeah, little uh, song, little dance, little seltzer down the pants. Longest scoring play of all time, the 80 yards from a, well, an interception return, Andy Burkle back in 2003. 80 yards from Jim DeVerti of Waverly to Mitch Oskarin of Holdridge back in 2005. Also had the longest rushing play uh, that time in 2005. And interesting, they have the longest punt return, but not the longest. Well, these are scoring plays. Kickoff return, even for scoring play. Ah, gotcha, okay. So there you have it. All right. Well, we, uh, we're going to take one more break here, and if we are going to be in a delay till 8 o'clock, we will send it back to our stations. But we are going to take one more break to those on the News Channel Nebraska radio circuit across the state of Nebraska, and we will return to Carney and the Shrine Bowl right after this. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett, our producer engineer Grant Ty, and all the fine folks across the News Channel Nebraska network here in the state of Nebraska. We have been in a weather delay since 6.43 Central Time here this evening at the Shrine Bowl. It is currently 7.24, and uh, we are hoping to ascertain. We just had Stu with us, Stu Pospisil, prep sports editor of the Omaha World Herald, uh, about how they're going to tweak this a little bit. But the point now, Brandon, is when we'll – well, let's – okay, they have just made an announcement of 8 p.m., and again, we no one around here has any rhyme or reason to why it, we would have to wait till 8 p.m., but uh, that has been the announcement, and as Stu said, they'll have a running clock and a shorter halftime, but 8 o'clock uh, looks like the time. And so with that being said, uh, we are going to take a break and send it back to our stations across the network for the next half hour, and we will come back to you at 7.55 this evening. 7.55, we will be back on our News Channel Nebraska radio network with football or at least an update as to what's going on. And more scintillating fill time here with well, Doug and Brandon. We, we, we have more to bring to you, but if it is going to be uh, that long, and this is the first time we've actually been told how long the break would be, uh, that means we will be on a break for a little over an hour and 15 minutes. So, again, now the rain has stopped here uh, in Kearney. And, uh, again, this is a lightning delay. This is nothing else. No weather warnings, no uh, severe weather warnings, no tornado warnings or no watches. watches right? uh, but uh, just the most unique set of circumstances. It bolt of lightning was somewhere that nobody here saw, but it was on their phone. And uh, they have to pick some kind of rule and regulation. Uh, to to go by and folks it's all legality it's that's all it is it's the world we live in now you can't put yourself in a legal bind so you have to be at a spot uh, where this is the protocol and that's what they are following here and while it is frustrating to everyone uh, it's just the way it is and there's nothing you can do about it so we hope you stay with us because we do have a lot of great athletes from across the state of nebraska and we'll be back with you again 7:55 central time 7:55 central time right now we send you back to your ncn radio station 
And good evening once again, everyone, across the state of Nebraska on the News Channel Nebraska radio network. This is Doug Duda with you from University of Nebraska at Kearney's Foster Field, where we have been in a lightning delay for about an hour and 12 minutes now, 6.43 Central Time. The teams were taken off the field at the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl with 6.17 to go in the first quarter of play. The North is on top by a score of 7 to nothing as quarterback Abram Schulting hit a 20-yard pass to Wayne's Alex Phelps on the first offensive play of the game after a 67-yard kickoff uh, return by uh, Tilford of North Platte to get the game underway, and they are on the drive again. They have it first and 10 at the South 13-yard line if we get to play again. Again, it's a weird situation. We are in a lightning delay. This is all radar-indicated. Uh, Brandon Bennett and I have been here, and we haven't seen one or heard, but it is. I, I, we've seen it on the on the radar. We've seen it on the app that everybody uses these days, but we actually haven't seen anything, and as of right now, at first, they had moved it back to 7.20, and we had stayed with you till then. Then they said 7.55. Now they have said 8.13. And uh, if you were with us earlier, Stu Pospisil, prep sports editor of the Omaha World Herald, said that, and this has been confirmed by Dave McDonald, now the executive director of the Shrine Bowl, is that they will have a running clock. Uh, they may stop it in the last two minutes of out-of-bounds in the second and the fourth quarter if we get that far, and uh, halftime will be severely shrunk and now they've just made another announcement just as we come back on that they are pushing things back to 8:30. the band is packed up and uh, they're in the process of leaving so again 8:30 now and we apologize nothing we can do about it uh, we hope you will stay with us and we will keep you updated so that's another half hour uh, we will come back if you are along our network here. Once we do get going, it'll be a running clock. It'll be a fairly quick game with about a seven to eight minute halftime is all is what we are told. So if we do get to play, but again, uh, it is simply somebody looking at a radar saying that there was a lightning strike nine miles away uh, from UNK that is not allowing us to continue this football game, Brandon. No watches, no warnings, and to get really technical within the field of meteorology, there's such a thing as a mesoscale discussion, which is basically a watch, watch. There's a chance of a watch being issued. Right now, that mesoscale discussion is about 25%. So we have 25% of a watch being issued. No watches right now, no warnings right now, nothing going on right now. Again, we understand we have to be safe. We have to operate. The, the legalistic term is abundance of caution. We certainly want to do that. We want to, to play football, and we want to call the football game for you, and the players want to play and the coaches want to coach. But now it's just becoming unfortunate. The fans had all come back into the stands. Now they're telling them to leave the stands again. It is a real pain. But, again, uh, folks are just trying to do the right thing, and, then everybody's up to opinion on what the right thing is, and that's what makes America great, I guess. Uh, otherwise, we'd always agree 100% of the time. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett, thanks to Wayne State College, the Kearney Visitors Bureau, the Buffalo County Fair, for being part of our radio and television coverage on News Channel Nebraska of the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. So again, to those of you along the radio network uh, here in the state of Nebraska, we will send it back to your station's programming, and we will be back with you for an update at 825 
this evening. 8.25 is what we've been pushed back to. Uh, can tell you, Nebraska Volleyball got another win today in straight sets down on their trip uh, to Brazil. So they're 3-0 and in pool play. It was 25-9-7-7, so it wasn't a whole lot of uh, competition. Lindsey Krause had 10 kills. Uh, Caroline Juravicious had seven kills. Also going on tonight, the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 1. Late in the first period, Florida and Las Vegas are tied 1-1 with just under three minutes to go in the first period. And for those back here in our Kearney area, it's Game 2 of the NBA Finals between Denver and Miami uh, Sunday night on ESPN Radio. Again, it's 7-0. The North leads the South, 6-17 to go in the first quarter. We have been now in a lightning delay for about an hour and a half, and uh, we see more players uh, kind of being uh, told to go back into the locker room here. Uh, we did actually have a pretty good break in the darkness of the clouds here right when they called it around 7.15 for about the last 35, 40 minutes to where we should have been playing football, and now the clouds have kind of rolled back in. If you were with us when Stu Pospisil was here with us, giving us a, his uh, update about 45 minutes ago. We were talking about how the clouds are just kind of circling, circling, circling. And, and now we are in a delay again until at least 8.30. Many times, uh, Bob Shepard, the longtime public address announcer for the New York Giants and, of course, iconic voice of the New York Yankees was called the voice of God. Well, we have our own voice of God here <laughs> in UNK, and that, of course, is Rich Broderson. Rich, twice since we've been back on air, has asked people to vacate the stands because of safety, and we want to have everyone step away until we restart at 830. No one was moving until actual God opened up the the heavens and the rains came. The people in front of us are now flooding, pun intended, to get into their ponchos, and people are actually now heading to the exit. So God doing what the voice of God couldn't do. Yeah, Rich Broderson, Mr. Three-Pointer at the uh, NSAA State Basketball Championships. You hear him at track as well. Okay, you are uh, listening to coverage of the 65th Annual Strand Bowl. We'll be back with you in 25 minutes, 825 Central Time, 825 Central Time. We will give you an update, and we hope to be playing football at 8.30. For Brandon Bennett, I'm Doug Duda, sending you back to regular programming. And welcome back, everyone. News Channel Nebraska Radio across the state of Nebraska. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett, back with you at UNK's Foster Field with the irony of all ironies in the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. It has finally started to rain and rain significantly, and now we are going to play football because we have not had, apparently, a lightning strike uh, recently, and it looks like we are moments away from rejoining our game. 6-17 to go in the first quarter. The North leads the South 7 to nothing. The North has it first and 10 at the South 13-yard line. You've lived, you've, you've lived in Nebraska your entire life. I've lived here for the last 21, almost now 22 years. We had a delay with no rain, but an alleged lightning strike. We now have no delay with lots of rain and no lightning strikes. That seems about right for Nebraska. All right, here we go. Everybody trying to get where they're supposed to be. And Adam Schulting is the quarterback, or excuse me, Abram Schulting, the quarterback for Pierce. First and 10 at the 13. And we've got a false start. Our first is, penalty of the game. Yeah, which is not a surprise. Again, the first score of the game, Schulting hooked up with Alex Phelps from Wayne on a 20-yard touchdown pass. It was the first offensive play of the game after the kickoff return down to the 20-yard line by Colt Tilford of North Platte. Trips to the left side. 
They will hand it off, and a big hit in there right off the get-go as Tayshawn Porter is swallowed up by Aurora's Jack Allen. His helmet even popped off. You know what? These kids love the rain. They are ready to go. They've been standing around and waiting for just under two hours. Again, we regain play at 8.26 Central Time. The game was suspended at 6.43 Central Time. Split out wide to the right is Blake Moore at Gretna. He has been the favorite target so far. Will Benson about Michael out there as well. Twins to each side. They're now going to put the running back, Tayshawn Porter, in the slot to the left. So five five wides, empty backfield, and we're going to get a flag again for a false start. Trying to get that concentration back is a big thing here, Brandon. We have this week-long buildup to a 6 o'clock kickoff. So everything is focused to a particular time. Then when you start and then you take it away 6 minutes and 17 seconds into it, then you lose your focus. Then we're going to play, we're not going to play. You lose your focus again. We're going to play, we're not going to play. Now we're going to play again. So not only do they really want to play, they have to focus on playing. Second and 21 for the North at the South 24-yard line. Running clock for the remainder of the game and a two-minute break at halftime. Here's Schulte, throws it out in the flat, and it's incomplete at the 11-yard line. Dubbing it out here again to Alex Phelps, who had the touchdown pass. It was a little underthrown. Jack Baptista of Lincoln Southwest on the coverage. It'll be third down and 21. And Phelps, that was the first time we've seen weather actually physically impact our play here because he did a five-yard and then a cutout, and unfortunately his feet slipped just a little bit, a little bit slick because of the rain, wasn't able to make his cut clean. And again, Nolan Elo is the place kicker. He would probably come on if they don't get much here. Third down and long. Schulting drops back. Going to throw a screen over the middle, and it's not fooling everybody. It is caught by Tayshawn Porter. He is dropped at the 24-yard line. No gain on the play. All kinds of white jerseys were in there. That was probably the best and longest halftime adjustment that we've ever seen because for the South, they made a huge defensive stand here. We're going to fourth down. And they are going to go for it here. So fourth and long. Probably take a shot at the end zone, and we've got another false start. So three false starts on this drive, and it'll be fourth down and 26. And with the you know what the limited amount of time we're going to have an opportunity here, now the guys are just hoping to get a chance to play football. <laughs> the kickers might just get a chance to kick an extra point and kick off now. And obviously, these last couple of plays haven't been it hasn't been a great example of what Abram Schulten can do. But for UNK, for the next couple of years, he is going to be the one. The focus, the center of attention. He's going to take great care of the Loper offense. Let's see if he can punch one in here. One-on-one to the wide side, right side, back shoulder. He's under pressure. He's hit. He is sacked back to the 36-yard line. You can't blitz, but you can sure bring pressure. And getting the sack here for the South squad is eight. Barnby of Papillion South and what a way for the South who could have easily been down 14 to nothing when we came out of the break. Now makes a huge defensive stand, moves the ball from the 13 all the way out to the 36. They take over down 7 to nothing in the first quarter. Doug, I have heard about some halftime adjustments being made with a two-hour break in the game. That's the greatest defensive switcheroo I have ever seen. All right, the South now will have the football for the second time and it looks like they would go with Jared Cool of Platteview to be the quarterback more platoon handoff on the right side and nowhere to go that time carrying the football is Cal Newell of Lincoln Southwest Colazzo had it on the first trip uh, down the field but I think also coach McLaughlin knows there's not going to 
going to be a lot of chances, so uh, he's in a platoon a little bit more. A gain of one, it'll be second and nine. Again, everybody running out of the pistol formation. They'll hand off Newell. Right side has a hole. 40, 45, first down, 50. He's into North Territory at the 45 and tripped up at the 41-yard line. It's Josiah Mobley of Scott's Bluff among those in on the tackle. And I'm really surprised there, Doug, we're not going to have a horse collar because Mobley got him just below his mask at the very V, the, the coming together of the two pieces of his shoulder pads, and that's what he used to bring him down. Referee did not see it. Zach Krychek of Utah also in on the tackle. First and ten. Pressure coming right up the middle, and they'll sack the quarterback, but we may get a penalty flag on the defense as Caleb Kincaid of North Platte got to him early, and again, there are special Shrine Bowl rules. Let's see what the flag is on the play. I believe so. He indicated illegal procedure. Nope. It's oh, on the, on the offense. So it'll be illegal formation on the offense. The play and penalty will be declined. It'll be a loss from the 42 back to the 48 of six yards. So it'll be second down and 16. And we have seen illegal procedure, a shrine bowl rule, because, again, you have to play a base 4-3 defense. The defensive line cannot stunt. They cannot overshift. And linebackers cannot blitz. You've got Jared Kuhl, the quarterback from Platteview, his wide receiver Ezra Stewart, and his coach Mark McLaughlin rolling this way. Has to go underneath. It's complete to Micah Hackard of Stewart. He's going to be shoved out of bounds into the south sideline at the 43-yard line. So they got about all of the sack yardage back, but it's still going to be third at about 12. A minute 40 to go. And again, he was pushed out of bounds, but we will have a running clock. We're only going to have about a minute half time to switch sides and try to get as much football played, hopefully just rain the rest of the night. So it's third and 12, the South trailing 7 to nothing. a minute and a half to go in the first quarter. Kuehl takes the snap, going to hand it off over the right side and running right into a wall is the running back, Easton Weber of BDS. Out of the flex spot, the eight-man all-star. He says, you know what I noticed in practice? There aren't as many long runs as I had at BDS. <laughs> Usually if Easton got five yards down the field, he got all the way. So he gets two. It's fourth down and ten. And ran right into the wall there of Maxwell from Merrick of, uh, excuse me, from Merrick of Lakeview. Swallowed him up. So fourth and ten. South at the north 42-yard line. Back to pass. Kuehl under pressure. Tries to dump a screen. It is complete out here to Easton Weber. He's got five. He's got eight. He's got ten. Now there are penalty flags along the sideline. He's got enough for the first down to the 30-yard line. It's a 12-yard completion if it stands. But we're going to have illegal procedure on the offense. But that was a great job by Weber. He was only a couple of yards away from his quarterback in Kuehl, who had to Kuehl, who threw it up over the top. And uh, Jared Keel got it complete, but they're going to have to punt the football. And here comes Nate McCashlin in for Lincoln Southeast. And not only, Doug, was that very well executed. It was a great, great play call, too, because you had the defense pinning their ears back as much as they can within the Shrine Bowl rules again. But he had a lot of pressure in his face. That screen was a great call. Back to return the punt is Colton Tilford. Rolling to the right and rugby kicking it down the sidelines. It will not be returnable, and it won't be all that deep. It bounces out of bounds at the 19-yard line. So it will be a punt of 28 yards. And again, when the head coach, Mark McLaughlin, of Platteview coached here two years ago, it was a 10-3 ball game without weather. So he's trying to find a way to get his team into the end zone. And if I remember, 
outright that one touchdown that was scored was scored on the first drive of the game, just like we had here. So back over now to the North All-Stars. And they are going to go to Trey Bird now. He'll be the quarterback at their own 18-yard line. Fake the handoff in the pocket. Under pressure. Has to roll out. He's going to be hit. He's going to be dropped back inside the five-yard line. Applying some early pressure back there was Avon Ulami. As he comes in out of Lincoln Northeast, and that'll bring us to the end of the first quarter of play in the delayed Shrine Bowl. We go to the second quarter, north 7, south nothing. We'll be back in one minute on your News Channel Nebraska radio network. And we are back with you here at UNK's Foster Field. There are so many things that go along with this game that are going to be uh, wiped out because of the weather here, but the young cheerleaders stuck around to uh, dance here, and they do that between the first and the second quarters, so they are getting that done. As we said, the halftime will be nil. The band uh, got out of here right away, and many of those are probably within an hour. Uh, they're home by now, so if you're with us, I sure appreciate you listening in on uh, the Vibe 98.9, KKPR-FM, Carney Hastings, Grand Island, here in Carney, Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett, and our News Channel Nebraska radio and television network throughout the state. Brought to you by Hellman, Maine, Costler, and Cottle, Broadfoot, Sand, and Gravel, and Holdridge Irrigation. North 7, south nothing, and after the sack, the North will have it second and 25 at their own four, Brandon. Really feel bad for all of the athletes, but also all of those around, because this is not the way Executive Director Dave McDonald wanted to go out. But especially for the band, obviously they've been here all week long, too. Double the amount of band members as we have total players on both squads combined, the band was expected to put on a halftime performance, played throughout the first and second quarters, and they usually leave after that anyway. So they have a week's worth of memories, but are unfulfilled because they're not going to be able to perform their last performance on a high school football field before they go off to college. So, as you said, the band has already left. We have this performance still going on in the first, second quarter break, and then we're going to have a very short and half time normally there's a number of reads for the public address announcer to do recognize a bunch of different shriners kings queens juniors juniorettes all of that a number of shriners who have won you know shriner of the year award from their different shrines and whatnot all of that is going to get cut out so we can have a short half time and finish the game all right here we go as the performance is over warming up on the south sideline right now is Traven beckman of carney high hoping to lead his team down the field when they get the football back. Again, it is second and 25 for the North at their own four-yard line. And Bird is in at quarterback after Schulting engineered the first two drives. Bird's going to take it, roll right, get behind his running back, and go nowhere. He's dropped two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you're seeing some great defensive play out of the South. Team Ethan Roberts of Bellevue East swallows him up. And Lance Rucker isn't going to get credit for the tackle. But from his left defensive end spot, jumped outside, forced Bird to come inside where there's help. That is basic, solid defensive coaching at its best. And really for the first time, the North is solidly behind the eight ball. And they'll take the snap in their own end zone here with Trey Bird. And Bird hands it up the middle. There's a big hole, 15, 20, 25, 30, first down and more. Up the sideline. 
and 40, 50, and finally pushed out of bounds is going to be Carter Kirkman out of Norfolk Catholic, third and 27, and he is going to pick up 48, 53 yards on the carry. Great to be able to see in the middle of all of this where so much of the focus many times are on the number of players from Lincoln and Omaha and Class A and large Class B schools for a Norfolk Catholic runner to be able to get a great run like that, bring his team out from the shadow of their own goalpost. So with their back against the wall, they came out of swinging. Now they can get back to their spread formation, twins right and left, with Tayshawn Porter in the backfield. They'll hand it to Porter on a counter, and he is going to be thrown down again quickly by Aiden Barnby of Papillion South. Jack Allen is in there. We've called all four of those defensive linemen's numbers so far in this football game. You mentioned Lance Rucker. Uh, They are wreaking havoc right now on any run game for Mr. Porter back there in the backfield. You heard it here, Doug. Remember the name Aiden Barnby. He is going to play football at Iowa Western Community College. That is many times a junior college proving ground for big-time Division One. His opportunity to get those grades up, prepare him for the college level. We're going to see him play D1 one day. All right, second down and 11 after the one-yard loss. Bird dropped back to pass, looking left the whole way, sideline into traffic, and it is incomplete. Trying to throw it over on the sideline to, it looks like, Jackson Roberts out of Boone Central. Even though that wasn't complete, Doug, I am so impressed from that throw because that throw was 25, 30 yards in the air. The receiver was two birds left. He goes 20 yards out and then diagonally away from Bird. Bird had coverage from the cornerback, safety help over the top, and almost put it exactly where he needed to be. And of course, Roberts outstanding trackster and hurdler out of Boone City. So it's third down 11, empty backfield, low snap, quarterback counter, it goes nowhere. And that all started with the low snap. And now we got a little pushing in John out there. These guys have the energy, and they break it up real quickly. A loss on the play of a yard. They're going to say, say he shoved him back a little too far. But again, give credit up there to Aiden Barnby. And it looks like this time they are going to go for it again. Coach Huffman doesn't want to give his punter much opportunity. Fourth and 11 at the south, 49-yard line. And again, they have running back Carter Kirkman in there, and it's going to be a pooch kick. And I think it might have went off the back of a lineman and shot out of bounds inside the 25 at about the 21-yard line. So we'll say it's a punt they mark at the 20, so a 29-yard punt. Again, we're going to have a running clock because of the hour 40 delay here in weather. North 7, south nothing. 8.20 and running to go here in the second quarter in the south. will take over, but man, uh, the south got to feel good about themselves the way their defense has performed here so far out of the break. They came out of that break. First down 10 on their own 13-yard line. Were able to snuff out that drive, put a long drive together, couldn't quite punch it in, but playing much better since the break. Now Traven Beckman back in there at quarterback. Snap goes way over his head. It's loose. Picked up by one of the linemen who tries to throw it out here. It's complete. I don't know if it's legal, but it's caught into the hands of Micah Hackbart. And picking up the loose ball was Carlos Colazzo. And so he was in the backfield. It's all legal, and it's enough for a first down. At first, I thought it was a lineman that picked it up. But Colazzo, with the wits about him, completes it out to the 34-yard line, a gain of 14. 
dare I say, we've seen everything yeah, tonight. Never... It's been a long time since we've seen the unintentional halfback pass. I know there's some plays in both of the lineups here, but that was not intentional. Now Beckman rolls to his right, strung out, and throws it behind Colazzo. He also had out there in the pattern Micah Hackbart, but it was behind both of them about five yards upfield, and it'll bring up second down and ten. But then you know, Doug, why are we surprised? We have the best of the best athletes here. This is an all-star game. So athletes are going to make athletic plays, not just with their bodies, but with their minds. So you have Colazzo who can make that sense to himself to go ahead and pick up the throw and pick up the ball and throw it. Then you got a receiver in the area. All right, second down and 10. Beckman fakes the handoff, stands in the pocket. Fly pattern down the right side. It's going to be underthrown, but caught at the 35. Breaking a tackle at the 30. Getting down to the 25. Dragging defenders inside the 20. And it takes three men to bring Adonis Hutchinson of Lincoln High down. And the South is in the red zone for the first time tonight. A 48-yard completion. And sometimes when the defensive back doesn't know where the ball is, it's the advantage of the... Offense, and what a great job Hutchinson did to come back for that football. Took almost six players to bring him down. He's going to be playing football this fall at the University of Sioux Falls. They've got a long and storied program of developing wide receivers. He's going to fit it very well. All right, first and ten at the 18, trying to get their first touchdown, down 7 to nothing. Rolling to his right, Beckman under pressure, stepped out of the tackle, needs to get rid of it, throws it short, complete at the 18-yard line, but they're going to say standing out of bounds was Jack Baptista, and the official says incomplete. Had he not had that toe on the sideline, he broke tackle and very well could have scored, but now it is going to be second down and 10. Now for Trayvon Beckman and the rest of the South squad, just their chance to take a breath here. They've got second down clearly in field goal range. Ashton Gregg, the lone wide receiver out to the right, trips to the left side. In the backfield is Hackbart, it looks like. They'll fake the handoff. No, they will hand it to him. Micah Hurdle's a man that is not Hackbart. That is Newell. Newell inside the 10. He goes over a man and into the end zone for an 18-yard touchdown. Cal Newell out of Lincoln Southwest. The old crossbuck play where it's a trap. You get everybody thinking you're going to the right. It- Inside handoff, not quite Corey Schlesinger in the Fiesta Bowl, but very reminiscent of that, where you trap everybody, you bring him through last. All he had to do was get past one man, had to hurdle that man to get there to five-yard line, but he did it, and we're an extra point away from being tied. Nate McCashlin to kick it. Good snap. They got it down in the rain, and the kick is up, and it is good with 5.09 to go in the first half of play at the 65th Annual Rainy Shrine Bowl. The North and the South are tied at 7 back in a minute on News Channel Nebraska. News Channel Nebraska Radio. Doug Duda, Brandon Bennett, our producer, Grant Ty. The rain is now picked up again. 5.09 to go in the second quarter at the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. The North and South are tied at seven apiece. Keegan Mountain comes running onto the field for Millard West as they get ready to boot it away. And our Shrine Bowl coverage brought to you by Buffalo County Fair, Wayne State College, and the Kearney Visitors Bureau. Thank you for your sponsorship and love of high school football. The kick is away. It's a low-line driver taken at the 15-yard line up the left hash to the 20, looking for some running room on the 25. Across the 30, and that's going to be Braxton Bohr of Columbus Lakeview. Brought down at the 33-yard line. First and 10 for the North. Now for the North, their chance to respond so much of football as in any other sports is 
you get knocked in the mouth, you knock somebody else in the mouth, what does that response look like? The North came out on fire, had that very long kickoff return, punched it in, haven't done much since. Jackson Heinrichs, one of the many guys that are on special teams here tonight. And it looks like we're going to stay with Trey Bird as the quarterback for a second series. He'll hand it off, and again, there's just nothing there for Omaha North's Tayshawn Porter as he is brought down at the line of scrimmage. And they're not rotating much out on that defensive line for the South. We do see Sal Nacarelli of Omaha Gross uh, in there on the defensive line now as he's part of that. Making the stop there was Cole Riley. He came up initially, ran the running back, ran by him. He turned around and was able to make the tackle on a spin move. Also in there is Ethan Roberts of Bellevue East. Second down and 10. Trips to the left side. Going to throw a wide receiver screen out here. And it looks like it slips out of his hands. And it's incomplete. Bouncing in front of Alex Phelps. And it's going to be third down and 10 now for the North. Almost get just, just the feeling that head coach Michael Huffman of the North team, because he wanted to bring that run-and-gun offense from Bellevue West, like they shot all their bullets out of the gun in the first series, series and a half, and after that, the offense really hasn't clicked as much. The defense for head coach Mark McLaughlin of the South team doing much better, but for the offense of the North, pretty stagnant here in the last really full quarter. There won't be halftime adjustments because they're not going into the locker room. They're just going to keep playing. Third down and 10 at their own 33-yard line. Bird takes the snap. Three-step drop, looking left all the way, goes to the sideline and overshoots his intended receiver in Zakai Parrott out of Omaha Burke. And we're going to get a timeout called by the South because of the running clock. The South is going to call a timeout here with 2.53 to go in the first half, expecting a punt coming up from the north. That's a great call there because with an incomplete pass, the ball would have been dead. Normally the clock would have stopped. In this case, you have to stop the clock yourself. A score, a penalty, an injury, or a timeout will all stop the clock in a running clock situation. Got to call that timeout to kill the clock. You're still going to leave yourself with just under three minutes left to go. And you still have two timeouts remaining. And with this kind of weather, you're not expecting even your all-state punters to be able to boom one 45, 50 yards unless it's misplayed. So we'll see how that all uh, takes part. We'll keep it here and remind you that the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl is brought to you in part by Minden Exchange Bank, Family Physical Therapy, and CASA of Buffalo and Kearney Counties. And again, a reminder to our radio affiliates along the network, they're only planning about a minute halftime, so we will take a, a short break once we do get to the end of the second quarter, and uh, it will be a 60-second break, and then bring it back. I have to change our format on that just a little bit. All right, they're lining up out of the timeout to punt the football again away. And punting the football is Braxton Bohr of Columbus Lakeview for the north. South awaiting it at about their own 35. The punt is away, low line drive kick. It bounces and then it just kind of stuck. No chance to return it, and it'll be down at the 36-yard line. Down there quickly on special teams. South had a couple of guys sprinting down the field, including uh, Josiah Mobley out of Scott's Bluff hustling down the field. So the South will take over. First and 10 at their own 33-yard line, running clock 233 and going here. Setting at the right end is going to be Cooper Skrobecki of Waverly at tight end. Be looking for him possibly. There's no wideouts to that right side. Trips to the left. 
Carney quarterback Trayvon Beckman will send in motion Jack Baptista from left to right. Fake the jet sweep. Roll to the weak side. Throw across the middle and again well behind his intended receiver. So Beckman having some trouble with the wet football here. He was trying to do a little bit of traffic directing in the middle of that. The receiver got a little closer to the sideline than what Beckman was anticipating. And then Beckman, by the time he realized his receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be, just couldn't get enough of a grip of the ball to keep it in his hand. Adonis Hutchinson out there wide to the right side. Second and ten, rolling to the right, pressure coming. They let it go, and he'll dump it off again incomplete, trying to go to Baptista, who probably should have caught that ball about three yards up the field, and it'll be third down and ten. But, boy, you are seeing some big-time pressure being applied by both defensive lines in there. And, again, even though you can't stunt or blitz, the last really two or three series for both for both teams, haven't seen a whole lot of solid offensive line play. Traquan Henley from Lincoln High, Caleb Kincaid from North Platte on that defensive line for the North. Third and ten. Beckman takes the snap. Empty backfield. Has plenty of time in the pocket. Floats it down the middle of the football field. There is contact, and the ball is caught. Hauled in by Cal Newell, who had a rushing touchdown earlier at the 37-yard line of the North in between Two defenders and an immediate timeout by the South with 56 seconds to go. The ball floated a little bit longer than I think anyone rooting for the South team would have liked, but it did find its target. Our hesitancy was he threw it into double coverage. We weren't sure which one of the three players actually had it until the white team, the South, came up with it. Yeah, the official had to come in there and take an extra look at it to make sure because it sure looked like the North was going to come in there and pick that football off. But nonetheless, South now has definitely been the better of it since we resumed action at the 6:17 mark of the first quarter. Here on News Channel Nebraska Radio across the state of Nebraska. Give you a chance to give your station ID here in just a little bit. So keep that in mind. And now Traven Beckman comes over from the sideline. As the South quarterback, twins to the right and the left, right in the middle of the football field. Beckman in the pocket, going to throw it deep, going for the end zone again into double coverage. The ball is batted around and incomplete, intended for Ashton Gregg of Central City. But that was throw and hope because they would have had to make a catch like they did the last time down the football field. Good defense led there by the North's Jack Faust, Fust of Columbus Scotus, Fust on the defense. Again with that clock running, trying to get the right amount of people on the field. 30 seconds. Also keeping the officials on their toes. Beckman second and 10. In the pocket looking, has all day. Now rolls to his right under some pressure. Going to have to throw it away and does at the 30-yard line. Again, you got Fuse there. And we are going to have a penalty flag at the end of the play. Roughing the quarterback. You don't get him in your sights very often. But it's going to oh. be an offensive hold. The way that Traven Beckman was drugged to the ground after he released that ball, that's when the referee released that flag. I thought it was going to be roughing against the defense because Traven was brought down a full second or two after he released the ball. I am surprised by that call, Doug. So there's only 13 seconds remaining. South does have one timeout. So because we have a running clock, They've got time for two plays maximum, I would think. Beckman gets the play call. It's going to be Jack Baptista out to the right of the backfield. Is going to be Carlos Colazzo. If you're going to run a trick play, this might be the time you see it. 
Trips to the right. Single to the left. Beckman just rolls right. Backside screen to Colazzo. It's covered, and it is tipped and picked off. Colazzo tipped it, and it was picked off by Caleb Kincaid of North Platte. The first turnover of the football game. Very surprising, not necessarily for that play call, because it was actually a pretty well-designed play coming back. Unfortunately for the South, the North could not have played it any better. Caleb Kincaid was right there. He was in coverage for Colazzo. Colazzo tried to make a play happen by tipping the ball. Unfortunately, didn't tip it to himself, tipped it to the opponent. Now, with five seconds remaining, the North has a shot here. And so the last play, we believe, and we will get a timeout. The South not organized and ready to go. I'm not sure the North was either. They have brought Abram Schulting in. So timeout on the field here on News Channel Nebraska and our 65th Annual Shrine Bowl brought to you by CHS, Nutrient Ag Solutions, and the Buffalo County Fair, a big part of the 65th Annual Nebraska Shrine Bowl. And five seconds away from halftime. So at this time... We'll take a 10-second pause for stations to identify themselves along the network. A 10-second break for station identification here on News Channel Nebraska Radio. This is KKPR-FM, Kearney Hastings, Grand Island. As we are back to action with five seconds to go. After the interception by North Platte's Caleb Kincaid, North Platte has been well represented so far in the game. In the backfield, Carter Kirkman. Last play, they're going to throw it underneath, hook and lateral. The completion is made. They lateral it around the left side to Zach Fox, and Fox can't get out of bounds or break tackle inside the 25. He'll be shoved out of bounds at the 23. They got a whole 13 yards out of that, so the razzle-dazzle didn't work. We'll take a quick timeout because the game is going to continue. We'll take a 60-second timeout, a 60-second timeout, tied at 7 here at the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. Well, there still is some rain here in Kearney. Again, the irony of the whole night. The irony of the whole night with rain here in Kearney is that the entire, almost the entire time that we weren't playing, it didn't rain. We did have one kind of 10-minute gully washer, and then that's when they kind of brought the teams back out on the team for uh, for warm-ups. But we are ready to start the second half. Thanks to all of our NCN radio folks for flying on the seat of their pants like we are. Nolan Elo of Amherst will kick it off for the north. So Elo kicking it off for the north as the south gets it to start the second half. Nice kick that will be taken at the 10-yard line. Brought up on the right hash by Baptista. 20-25 gets a hole. 30-35. And he's going to be brought down across the 40-yard line by the kicker. Nolan Elo, the first Shrine Bowl player ever from Amherst. Nice to be able to not only get his name in the record book for first to be representing his school, he got a kickoff, even as my old coach would say, get your name in the paper, make a tackle. In that case, he, in that case, Elo got all three. All right. In that first half, seven first downs to six. And we'll try to get you a couple of the other numbers here. We've had really kind of two big plays by Newell, and the South has it first and 10 at the 44. They'll hand it off on the right side, looking for some running room. Across midfield, inside the 45 to the 44-yard line is Cal Newell of Lincoln Southwest. So early it was Colazzo, but Newell kind of has the hot hand. So he's in there right now for the South team, quarterbacked by Jared Keel of Platteview, as they've basically been platoon and split out wide to the left, Ezra Stewart of Platteview. 
Single wide out to the right side. Keegan Mountain of Millard West. Excuse me, that's going to be a Kudlicek of Hastings St. Cecilia. Carson Kudlicek. Instead, it'll be a run right up the middle for minimal gain. Maybe three to the 41. Really been impressed with Kyle Newell. He's had, a, he's had he's carried the ball a number of times. He's coming off for a well-deserved break right now. Going to the university, going to Washington University in St. Louis to study engineering, and he really has a quick first step. Easton Weber now in the backfield. Kudlacek splits out wide to the left. Stewart stays in on the right side with Micah Hackbert. They'll run it again. Weber has a hole, 40-35. He gets up the middle of the football field and brought down at the 32-yard line. Jackson Boss of Norfolk makes the tackle. First down for the eight-man All-Stater. And checking out of the ball game here is going to be Dalton Snodgrass of York. Looks like some equipment problem. Maybe got poked in the eye. He's come right over to the trainer. He's taken off the glove. Something happened there to Mr. Snodgrass. And they'll turn and hand it off again. Weber slips a tackle in the backfield, squirts inside the 30 to the 29-yard line. And a nice pickup of about four and a half, five yards. Making some moves right up the middle of the field. Dawson Raby of Pierce as the nose guard right now for the defense of the North. And in many of his pregame interviews, head coach Michael Huffman talked about how big Raby was. He takes up not one but two holes, both the A and the B gap. Second down and six. South on the move. We're tied at seven. Handoff off the right side. Looking to break a tackle. Spin move inside the 30 to the 26-yard line for Colazzo before he is thrown down at the 26, a gain of three. It'll be third down and about three yards to go. Two and a half. 7-7, 8.50 to go in the third quarter. The opening drive of the second half of the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl here at UNK's Foster Field. Again, a running clock because of the weather delay and trying to avoid any other weather. Colazzo again off the left side. Picks and chooses which hole he wants to go through and gets the first down, it looks like, right at the 28-yard line. Did a good job of reading his blocks up there, Brandon, and uh, then exploded through the hole like he's done most of his career. He really did, and I've been so impressed with the South team here because prior to the extended break, they gave up a very long kickoff return. They gave up one play, drive, touchdown, and then they were giving up yardage in chunks, and all of a sudden they've turned things around, knocking at the door here. Good job by Eli Kaler of McCook on the offensive line. First and ten, motion man, fake it, counter play. Left side looking for room is Cal Newell. This time not really anything to go with, and he is brought down by Aiden Betts of Elkhorn after a gain of one. Vedral also in there on the tackle. Interesting change of tempo here, Doug, because this entire drive, the South squad has gone without a huddle. They're calling the plays at the line of scrimmage, getting everybody set, going with a little bit of tempo. That last time, they took much longer and only gained one yard. Here they go with tempo again. Also good to see Segan Packett of Blair in there, the young man we talked about. They thought he broke his foot, but no, he's ready to go. Quarterback counter around the left side, inside the 15, key is going to be pushed out of bounds very close to the first down marker, and they're going to give it to him at the 13-yard line. South squad matriculating the ball down the field. As I mentioned, they were getting large chunks of yardage when they were going with tempo. The one play where they pulled everybody together took the entire play clock to be able to call their play and get it off. 
only gained one yard. Went back to tempo again. Again, gained nine, and here they are, first to ten on the 13. Empty backfield, five wide, three to the wide to his right, two to the left. Looking to the right side, quarterback is going to fire it out here on a wide receiver screen. It is complete to Ezra Stewart, but he can't find any blockers and maybe lost the football. Was he out of bounds before he lost the football? Let's find out. Nope. There is a fumble on the play, and they are saying that it is recovered by the south. Micah Hackbart was in the right place at the right time, was able to find that ball in the scrum and pick it out of nowhere and save the drive for the south. Henry Sapensky was also over there trying to make a block. It'll be officially second down at about seven yards to go as they fumbled it forward and made about three yards on the play. Hand off left side, quarterback keeper. They faked him out. He comes to the right side, inside the five, and dumped out at the four is going to be Jared Keel. Just short of the first down. It'll be third down and one for a first down, and a third down and four for a touchdown. Did they maybe mark him out a little bit farther out now as they set the football? Going to be closer to the five, but his third down and about two and a half to go here for the quarterback, Jared Keel. He's going to hand it off this time off the left side is Easton Weber. He's going to get inside the five and awfully close to the first down. It looks like from the side judge he should have it. Looks like they've got him marked inside the four, and he does. So Weber out of BDS gets three yards, and it'll be first and goal at the three. The south tied with the north, 7-7, seven, seven, five and a half to go in the third quarter of the Shrine Bowl. More of that tempo. Here they're slowing it down for this one play. We know how... Well, the play didn't go the last time they did this, but prior to that, have always been going with tempo, and the offense is really clicking for the south right now. Colazzo is in the backfield as the running back. They'll hand it to Carlos. Carlos lowers his shoulder, drives forward, and he is not going to get in. There is a flag at the end of the play. He is down at the one. Usually don't see a flag from the side judge. On a running play when it's all over. So maybe a face mask. Maybe illegal defense. Let's find out. Yep. That's the thing that kills you. You can't technically play goal line defense. If you have fourth and a half an inch, basically a quarterback sneak's going to get it for you every time. You get down, you know, you're down at the 45, it's fourth and a half an inch, or if you're at the goal line. Uh, nonetheless, able to. Use that to get the down back. So it'll be half the distance to the goal. The ball will be at the one-and-a-half yard line. It'll be first down again. And it looks like an official, that far side line judge, is needing to talk with the offside official there. Quick reset. Here we go. Colazzo again off to the right of his quarterback. And Jared Keel hands it to him, leans forward, and they are not going to give it to him. They're going to say he is down. And the North saying the ball came loose. But I believe he was tackled on his back. He was turned. He fell on his back. When he fell on his back, the ball popped out. He's going to be inside the one. I think they got this one right, too. I really do, because looking at it, he was he was down. The ground didn't cause the fumble. An inside player did. But even after that, he was already down. The ball would have been dead. Second and goal inside the one. Colazzo stays in there. Kudlachik splits out wide to the left. you got twins to the right side, including Baptista of Lincoln Southwest. And uh, Ezra Stewart, again, staying out of the pistol. They'll hand it off. Colazzo walks into the end zone. Got hit when he got into the end zone, but it is a touchdown. Colton Tilford laid the wood to him, but Colazzo 
was up to the task, and the South has the lead with 4.09 to go in the third quarter, 13-7. to This has been a heck of a turnaround for head coach Mark McLaughlin and the rest of the South squad. Credit his assistant coaches and credit the players because really after the first, well, really prior to our extended lightning break, it was all North squad. Since then, all South. All right, ready to try the extra point will be Nate McCashland. And the kick is away, and the kick is good. 4.09 to go, third quarter of the rain-delayed and lightning-delayed Shrine Bowl. It's the South 14 and the North 7. We'll be back to Carney in one minute on News Channel Nebraska Radio. All right, 14-7. The South now has taken the lead from the North with 4.09 to go in the third quarter of a running clock game. And Nate McCashland of Lincoln Southeast ready to boot it away. High short kick. But still taken by the back man at the 15-yard line on the right hash. Up to the 20, the 25-yard line is Bohr. Bohr gets out to about the 28, 29-yard line. Again, if you're just joining us, we had a lightning delay that got the game underway 30 minutes late. We played 13 minutes of actual time, 5.43 of football time. And then when we came back at 8.25 this evening, 8.27, I think they snapped the ball, something like that. Uh, we have had a running clock. We had about a two-minute halftime and trying to get this in so that the kids can play some football here at the Shrine Bowl. And with all the special Shrine Bowl rules, they had a longer performance between the first and second quarter break than they did for halftime. I don't think I've ever seen that. All right, it is Abram Schulting of Pierce, the North quarterback. He's going to hand it off on the right side to Porter. Porter finally gets some running room, 35-40, has a first down as he's upended at the 42-yard line and a first down. Great move there by Porter. One of the things you're looking at for running back is when you get to the outside, wherever the outside is, in this case he was running to his right, plant your outside right foot, make one cut, go straight up the field. That's exactly what he did, and he was off to the races. Avon Alume, again in there on the tackle from Lincoln Northeast, the lineman getting downfield to make the tackle. And the snap goes straight back for a quarterback run. And Schulting will get to the 46-yard line. A gain of three on the play. Designed quarterback, Iso. It'll be second down and seven. And Schulting can certainly do that. He had 1,637 rushing yards, reached the end zone 15 times for the Blue Jays, and has that really, truly awesome ability to run and also pass. Michael Huffman pacing the sidelines, just like Mark McLaughlin does when they're on offense, kind of stays away from everybody. Empty backfield, quick pass out here in the flat and broke it up. At the first down marker, nice defense over there by the south. Trying to get it out there to Blake Moore and knocking it away. Hudson Holloway of Ralston was right on top of that. Can't do it any better than Holloway just did. And one of the things we were concerned about, even Mark McLaughlin was concerned about, would be the depth and the overall talent and play of his cornerbacks. And First play of the game, the North scored against the cornerback, and since then the cornerback and defensive secondary has been much better. The North down 14-7, to seven, third and seven at their own 46-yard line. Again, empty backfield. And a quarterback draw this time. The South not fooled. Everybody in on the tackle of Schulting. He's going to lose a yard or two on the play. I wouldn't want to be the stat man on that one because getting up and doing the celebrating was Aiden Barnby, but everybody was in on that one. Give some credit as well to Lance Rucker, Millard South. They swallowed that up in a hurry. And it's not like you can give it to a herd of buffaloes or something like that. you got to give it to the player on the team. 
Well, Hayden Frank will drop back in case they pooch kick it again. Oh, hard count. Got it off sides. It is fourth down and nine, but now it's going to be fourth down and four after the left defensive end jumped here for the South team. And why not? They Probably a really good strategy here by the North. Coach Huffman and his staff, the aggressiveness of both defensive lines, got their hand in the cookie jar that time. It'll be fourth and four now at their own 49. Much more manageable as Jackson Roberts will come out to the left side. Also splitting out there. Looks to be Kosick. Fourth down and four. Empty backfield. Goes short right side, and it is going to be knocked away again, trying to get it to Blake Moore. He had went to him or attempted to go to him a lot in the first quarter of play. And even if that would have been caught, he might have been a yard short because the South was all over it. Second play in a row and third of the last four or five plays where we've seen excellent cornerback play for the South. Much, much better than it was before the break. Don't forget when our game is over. We will bring you the new West Post Game Show, the announcement of the players of the game. But this will be the end of the third quarter. It's 10 minutes running clock, so we're moving along. And we go to the fourth. The South will have it at the North 49. It is South 14, North 7. You're listening to the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl on News Channel Nebraska Radio. And we go to the fourth quarter of play here at the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. And it'll be first down and 10 south, heading to the north. Traven Beckman of Carney, the quarterback, takes it down the middle of the field into double coverage. Good pass, and it's going to be knocked away, intended for Adonis Hutchinson, but laying out and nearly picking it off. It was in his hands was Braxton Boer of Lakeview. That would have been a Willie Mays type of interception, but that was a well-thrown ball, and everybody did their job. Everybody did their job. If Beckman would have thrown it about another two yards further downfield, he would have been able to extend his receiver because he's much taller than the double coverage he was throwing it into. Just didn't have quite enough on the ball. Well, Hutchinson out of Lincoln High, they may not have had a ton of wins, but he very talented. Again, empty to the left, trips to the right. They will send a motion man, fake the handoff to the motion man and just go with a trap right up the middle of the field into the north territory, the 45, the 44-yard line. Again, it is Cal Newell of Lincoln Southwest. Cal Newell starting to assert himself, and that's exactly what you would expect a running back to do late in the game. Obviously, we've had a long, wrong rest in the middle of that first quarter, but Newell is starting to assert his will in the game. Fourth quarter, 14-7 south. They did put 12 minutes up here instead of 10. Beckman. Throws it down the middle of the field, and it's in and out of the hands and a little high that time for the tight end, Cooper Strabecki of Waverly, who was wide open at the first down marker, and it'll bring up fourth down and five. And maybe the punting unit coming in here for the south. Looks like a line change. So Coach McLaughlin has been a little bit more open to bringing in the punter, and he wants to make the north travel a lot farther here. In a shortened game. Again, rugby style. And the kick is away. There was contact. We're going to get roughing the kicker. Oh, and jumping up and pleading his case was Victor Isley because McCashlin didn't kick it till the very last moment. And Isley laid out to block it, and he didn't touch it. And he is going to get called for roughing the kicker, and the South will continue their drive. And I almost wonder if our referee didn't think about it for a second because after the contact, both players were laying on the ground 
had enough time each to turn and look at him, and then he just took the flag out of his pocket and threw it two yards in front of him, very nonchalant. Well, I'm going to tell you what, and now the back judge coming up to talk to Jake Wolf here from Kearney, who gets the honor of being the referee. Jake didn't want to throw that flag. I don't think he did either because it was and one of those run-pass options where the punter started to run and then was jogging at the last second, saw the pressure, and tried to get it off quick. For a defender like that, you really leave him on an island with no way to win. And again, if you listen to my high school broadcast, you know how I hate the rugby style but i hate it and they may change the rule because of of something like this if it happens often enough that you know what once you take off your fair game once you leave the pocket your fair game that's fair outside the tackle box like a quarterback they actually called it running into the kicker instead of roughing but it's still and now they're just now they're debating it again and they will mark it off even farther. So they only marked it off five yards. Now they will mark it off the full fifteen and take it to the north thirty nine yard line. South leading at fourteen to seven, ten oh three to go in the game. The sixty fifth Shrine Bowl brought to you by Wayne State College, Carney Visitors Bureau, and the Buffalo County Fair. And coming in there on the offensive line, Henry Sapensky gets his last note from the sideline for Papillion South. South can basically almost put this away. Again, motion, but they'll simply hand it off at the middle of the football field. Colazzo lowers his shoulder inside the 35. Contact with Mobley of Scott's Bluff, and that'll bring him down after a great gain of about six and a half yards. It'll be second down, and we'll say four. And with the running clock, it's just going to be a little bit different here. You can actually see the moon here in Cardi, so that tells you how much... Things have a little cleared off. They sure haven't completely cleared off. And we are still getting some precipitation from time to time. But by now, the fans don't even care. They just just want it over. Second down and four. Beckman hands it off to Weber. Weber is met at the line of scrimmage. He keeps those big legs churning. He's going to get a yard. But a good job there again by the linebacking crew. And also in there, Caleb Kincaid of North Platte, who had a fumble recovery earlier in the game. Now platooning out players for the North, bringing in six fresh players for Coach Huffman and the rest of his squad. See if they can buckle up the defense here. Third down and short. Third and about two. Beckman calls the cadence, wants to throw out here. Wide open, complete first down, 25, breaking a tackle and getting to the 20-yard line is Ashton Gregg of Central City. They gave him a little too much cushion, the tackle made by Braxton Boer of Lakeview. Great. So it'll be first down and 10. Great drive here for the South. The last time they had the ball was a 13-14 play drive. Now working almost into double digits again. You had that penalty, which extended the drive. But for the South, they continue once again for the second straight drive, matriculate that ball down the field. By the way, mentioned a little earlier, Dalton Snodgrass appeared to be injured out of York. He's back in there uh, for York, so he's setting up at the end on the right side. First and 10. Beckman hands it off, off the right side, inside the 20, to the 15, to the corner, to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone for the second time tonight, and cementing the offensive MVP, Cal Newell. He made a man miss right at the line of scrimmage, and then all he had to do was Uh outrun everybody else. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, didn't see the flag, holding offense, push it back. Boy, Newell, what a heck of a run it was. But that backs him up. 
Are you rethinking your offensive MVP statement? Well, he still looks pretty good. Still looks pretty good. Colazzo's going to come in there now. And it looks like they're going to call it as a downfield hold, and it's actually going to still be first and ten. So he was well down the field and made the cutback, and they say that's where the hold occurred. So Beckman out of the shotgun or the pistol with Colazzo flanked to his left. He'll hand it to Carlos. He comes right up the middle of the field, runs over two, three, four men inside the 15, down to the 11, a gain of nine for the Aurora. All-state running back, Carlos Colazzo, second and one. Got to love it when a running back runs over a guy, runs through a guy, hits the X button, does a spin move, runs around another guy, and then gains nine on first down, setting his team up with a very enviable second and one on the opponent's 11-yard line, and then all the offensive line, four of the five guys comes over and all helps the running back up. Beckman is 6 of 16 with a pick and 104 yards. Offensively, rushing Newell, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Colazzo, the other t- touchdown, now with 23 yards. Second and one at the 11. Beckman, it goes through his hands. He comes back, picks it up. He has time, but he's now going to be sacked. He had a chance to take a look at one receiver, and he's going to be dropped by Jackson Boss of Norfolk back at the 23-yard line. A loss of 12, and it's going to be third down and 13. Dangerous territory here for the South squad because obviously that, not just that they need to score, they need a touchdown. They're down seven. Clock is ticking away with six and a half, a little less than six and a half minutes now with a running clock. Going to need to make something happen here. You've got two downs to do it. Third down and 12 now, third down and 13. Need to be able to pick up seven right here. I'm betting they kick a field goal if they don't convert here. Beckman toss play. Expecting the run, Colazzo to the edge, to the 20, slips through a shoulder tackle and gets down to the 16-yard line. That's a gain of seven, but it's going to be third and six. And if you throw out the All-Stater at Nate McCashlin from Lincoln Southeast, it'll make it a two-score game, and here he comes. Good point there. So this will end up being a 33-yard field goal attempt from the left hash. Beckman is the holder. Got Cole Riley and Lincoln Lutheran out there as one of the ends blocking. That's always key. But you can't really rush the field goal kicker is one of the shrine. So you got to have a clean snap and a clean hold for a 33-yard attempt. It's down. The kick is away. It has plenty of leg, and it is good. With 5.14 remaining in the Shrine Bowl, the South 17, the North 7. We're back in a minute on News Channel Nebraska Radio. And welcome back with 5.14 remaining in the Shrine Bowl and a running clock. Now remember the North has all of their timeouts. They scored on the opening offensive play of the game. And it looked like they might run away and hide. Had it at the 13 when we came back from the rain delay. And they haven't done a whole lot yet uh, since. There was a big run by Carter Kirkman, but that's been about it. McCashlin boots it away. High, short. Taken at the 19-yard line, 25, working his way to the 30-yard line is Tilford. He had the big 67-yard kickoff return to start the game. He'll get across the 40 to the 44, so a good start. A good start. We're trying to figure out in such a short game how to name an MVP here. And uh, what are you thinking, Brandon? You know, honestly, I really like the two running backs, Cal Newell and Colazzo. They have both done so, so well. And my defensive MVP has been Aiden Barnby. He has been at the bottom of the pile and uh, really has been a difference maker, which is exactly what his coach said he would be. 
And you know what? Colton Marsh leads the North with five tackles out of Grand Island. And that's the most in the game so far. Now it's the North offense trying to set up a screen and a lot of pressure. The ball's a little bit underthrown, and Kirkman cannot haul it in. North needs to move a lot faster than what they're moving now. Again, running clock, 4-18, 4-17 right now, down by two scores. The clock will stop when they score, but it's not going to stop on a first down, not going to stop when they go out of bounds, only for a timeout. The North needs to pick up the pace. Great job by everybody involved tonight to get this thing in, too. It, it was altered and edited, but they got it in. Looking to pass. Schulte rolls right. Rolls right. There's nobody over here, and he has to throw it away. All his wide receivers were to his side of the football field. And I don't think in the high school level you can call intentional grounding. That would have been close in the pros. There was nobody in the area, but he also was out of the pocket. Well outside of the pocket. Maybe they'll design this play and run it to the right side this time. So it is third down and 10. 3.22 in the clock, continuing to run, even though it was an incomplete pass. Schulting over the middle of the field. He's got his man complete at the 40-yard line and hit hard right there and brought down with the completion is Zach Fox of Wahoo. And in there to belt him, I believe that was Cole Riley of Lincoln Lutheran and Adam Duggar of McCook. But a first down to keep the drive alive. Three minutes to go. North still has a chance, but they're down by ten. Good throw by Schulting. Again, drops back. Throws over the left side. He's got another man open. Complete at the 23-yard line. A lot of cushion out there. And it's complete into the hands of Alex Phelps, who has the only touchdown for the North. So he's got Phelps to his left. He's got Blake Moore to his right. Those have been his two favorite targets in the slot right will be Zach Fox of Wahoo, who just made the big catch. First and 10 at the 24-yard line. Back to pass with pressure from the outside. Throws underneath again. Caught right at the first down marker, but inbounds is Phelps, and it looks like maybe the North is going to go ahead and call their first timeout. Again, we're getting a lot of whistles, and nobody's doing anything telling us what's happening. And that's exactly what it'll be. I think Jake Wolf was looking at the clock and uh, telling Rex Roderhorst what is the exact amount of time to put on the clock. So we've got timeout on the field with 2.19 to go in the game. The North down 17-7, but they've got it first down and 10 at the 24-yard line. We'll be back in a minute on News Channel Nebraska Radio. We come back to action here at the Shrine Bowl. A short two-yard gain, and then a shot to the end zone is going to be out of the back of the end zone to Alex Phelps. And they aren't going to stop the clock. They told us they would do that in the last two minutes of the half, which they should be, but they're not. So 90 seconds to go here. The South has its second down and goal at the eight-yard line. After a nice run coming out of the timeout here by the North. Empty backfield, shoulding in the pocket, throws across the middle and didn't have anybody. But we are going to get a pass interference flag, it looks like. He was just dumping it off there, Brandon, and they're going to get a break on this one. About three yards deep into the end zone, the receiver and the wide receiver and the defender both broke on the ball at the same time. Unfortunately, the defender undercut the wide receiver. Looks like we're going to have defensive pass interference. Alex Phelps was the intended receiver. Looked like Mountain was over there trying to make a nice defensive play, but 
They're going to call the flag, and so it'll be second down and goal at the four-yard line, half the distance to the end zone, south up 17-7. North trying to cut it to a three-point game here. Kirkman in the backfield. Schulte rolls to his right, has all kinds of room to run. There is a penalty flag. He scores, but there is a penalty flag, and this is going to be a hold. And there's some extra activity out here. Uh Uh-oh, come on, boys. And they're going to keep going after it. And the North trying to break it up here. In the middle of that was John Barfield of Omaha Benson, who got a little extracurricular activity from the south, and it's always the second one that they're going to catch. And unfortunately for Barfield, not only did someone bump into him, he retaliated against the guy that bumped into him, then went and found somebody else and shoved him almost at the ground, and that's when the referee who threw the flag originally threw his hat in the air, the umpire threw his flag in the air. We have at least two flags on the field right now and a huddle of the officials. And I think uh, John kind of got caught up in the middle of two uh, south defenders there. I definitely can tell that he was on the wrong end of that whole thing, but didn't need to go after the other guy, and that's what caused the flags here. And that really puts a hurting on what you're going to do. Let's see if it's offsetting penalties. Yep. So not even our man that we were talking about. They called it on call 64. Packet yeah. and, uh, and Alame, but they didn't call it on... <laughs> on Barfield, so John protecting his guys, but what did happen, they wipe out the touchdown on the hold, then we have offsetting on sportsmanlike conduct, so you back it up 10 yards, and it's second and goal at the 14. Needing to score with a minute four to go. Abram Schulting sends Kirkman out of the backfield. Here comes pressure, and he is going to avoid the sack, try to throw it away. It's incomplete. And I think they're going to say it is an incomplete pass. No sack. Schulting a little slow to get up. And because we have the running clock, the North has to call a timeout, even on an incomplete pass with 52 seconds to go. South thought that they had him corralled. And the South beginning to celebrate, but the coach is saying, come over here to the sideline and celebrate as we've got timeout on the field. Adam Duggar of McCook helping lead some of the celebration. And it looks like the South... Once again, Brandon is going to get the better of the North, and it has been a while since the South has gotten the better of the North. They won it in 2020, and the last time they won it before that, 20 to 17. Or excuse me, the North had been having troubles. The South uh, had had been doing okay until the last couple of years. Always seems to work like that when you have an all-star game like that. You'll have the American League won a bunch of games and the National League and Major League Baseball and whatnot. AFC versus NFC in the in the Pro Bowl. It just seems to ebb and flow like that. And certainly right now it least looks like this is the South here. Third and goal to 14. They needed Kirkman in there to block last time. This time he stays in to block. Schulting, looking, looking nowhere. Steps up. Going to try and run it. He's going to be trumped down from behind at the 16-yard line. It'll be fourth down and goal. The North has to burn the timeout and run him down to make the tackle. The South's Ethan Roberts of Bellevue East able to make the tackle. And now the final timeout and what will be the final play. The North must score here. Fourth and goal at the 11. So Schulting was able to scramble around long enough there to get loose and at least not get a six or seven yard loss. And the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl brought to you by... 
Family Physical Therapy, Casa of Buffalo and Kearney Counties, Minden Exchange Bank, and Nutrient Ag Solutions, along with our television partners, Wayne State College, Kearney Visitors Bureau, and the Buffalo County Fair. Locally, Helmand, Maine, Costler, and Connell, CHS, Broadfoot, Sand and Gravel, and Holdridge Irrigation. Coming up, we will have the new West Post Game Show, give you a quick rundown of the stats that we have, and make the announcement of the offensive and defensive players of the game for the 65th Annual Shrine Bowl. Fourth and goal at the 11 for the North. Down 10, 41 seconds to go. Schulting looks left, now throws into the end zone. Everybody's guarded the balls, batted up in the air, and it is incomplete. And the South will be the winner. They have played incredible since the rain delay. And I know both coaches can give a pep talk, but it is the South going to be victorious here over the North, and they are celebrating like young men should. Not hyperbole, but the North could not have started the game any better. A nice long kickoff return to begin the game. One play, one touchdown. Dominated the South on defense the very next series. Got the ball back. We're running the ball down to score a second time. First and ten, ball on the opposite 13-yard line. And since then, nothing for the North. And now they are celebrating with their Shriner captain over here on the sideline. What a great feeling that is as well. We have an 8-year-old young girl, a 12-year-old young girl as the co-captains. And now the South able to celebrate as the game becomes official. The South 17, the North 7 in a game that was delayed 30 minutes at the beginning and then about an hour 40 in between as we restarted from a 6.43 delay to the 8.28 resumption, and we're done about an hour and 15 minutes later as we went to the uh, running clock here for the last two and a half quarters. And for both squads, nice to be able to come out and refocus, especially for the South squad. Got to know what head coach Mark McLaughlin and the rest of his squad, his staff, came up with in terms of the strategy because it looked like a completely different squad for the South. They played much better defense for the rest of the game and especially set the tone by getting the ball back after being 13 yards, just 13 yards away from giving up their second touchdown. They were able to turn the tide around, started to put long drives together, got a field goal at the end, really the tail of two teams here for the South. We will take a two-minute timeout and be back to UNK's Foster Field with final stats and announcements of the players of the game. A two-minute break from Foster Field on News Channel Nebraska Radio. Thank you to Brandon Bennett and our producer-engineer, Grant Ty, and to everybody along the NCN radio network across the state of Nebraska. Thanks for hanging with us, and it's time for the New West post-game show. No matter the activity, New West is here to get you back to it. Schedule your appointment today. And Brandon, all things considered, this game got over about the time it would have had we not had the delay uh, with the running clock and no halftime. Maybe a little bit earlier because with the Shriners, they have an extended halftime. They have a number of announcements. They recognize yep. some 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 queens, some princess uh, candidates. You also have a number of Shriners that are being recognized by their individual halls. But all in all, when you look at it, we're only really about 10 to 15 minutes behind. So considering everything... The athletes were able to get the experience that they want. Still feel bad for the band. They were not able to perform at halftime, which would have been another, obviously, halftime uh, event there. But overall, the players were able to get their experience, something they will never forget. 
and for the co-captains, for the Shriners kids, the entire South squad was down at about the near side 30-yard line and for probably 30 seconds, if not a minute, chanting her name, yeah, that Emmy. is something that she will never forget either. Emmy Hemmer, the 8-year-old, and of course you also had Jaden Thompson, the 12-year-old uh, from up at Ord, and Emmy, uh, the 8-year-old uh, that uh, <laughs> has been a ball of fire here all time long, and uh, she was uh, grabbed, Coach Mark McLaughlin had her on his shoulders and uh, doing everything, doing everything for her from up there in uh, northeast Nebraska. So uh, even had a great-grandfather that was a Master Mason from up in Bloomfield. So there's definitely a lot uh, that goes into this. And I have to say, for everything that happened here, and maybe it's because these guys were standing around longer than they wanted to, that was about as much emotion as I had seen from both teams uh, here at the Shrine Bowl since it has been in Kearney. Let's go ahead and take a look at your offensive and defensive MVPs. The offensive and defensive MVPs were both from the South squad. The defensive MVP is Aiden Barnby, the defensive end out of Papillion La Vista South, who ends up leading the team in tackles. We'll get to that in a moment. And the offensive MVP is running back Cal Newell out of Lincoln Southwest. Had one touchdown and nearly had two in the football game, but that was uh, wiped out by a hole. They eventually went on and uh, kicked a field goal, which was the difference. So here are the official stats. And, uh, again, there was a lot of guys uh, besides Newell and Barnby that uh, could have received the award because there just wasn't as many snaps here, not as much to go off. But for Newell, he had eight rushes for 70 yards and a touchdown. That's 8.8 per carry. Carlos Colazzo, 10 carries, 39 yards and a touchdown out of Aurora. Easton Weber out of BDS, five carries, 18 yards. Quarterback Jared Keel, three carries for seven yards in the game. Trey Beckman was the starting quarterback for Kearney for the South. He went 6-16, had that tip pass for an interception, 104 yards. Jared Keel was 2-for-2 on a weird play, on a snap that got away. Carlos Colazzo actually picked it up and had a 14-yard completion. So 125 yards through the air, 140 yards on the ground for the South. Uh, Micah Hackbart had four of the nine receptions for 26 yards. Hutchinson uh, able to Adonis haul in the longest play of the night, a 48-yarder. Newell also had a 27-yard reception. Ashton Gregg out of Central City. Jack Bautista, Ezra Stewart also had one catch in the game. For the North, uh, leading the way rushing was because of that, what was it? Third and 27 or something like that at the two-yard line, and Carter Kirkman uh, carried it for 53 yards. It was his only carry of the ball game. Uh, Tayshawn Porter, the starting eyeback for the North, uh, coming out of Omaha North, five carries for 15 yards. Quarterback Abram Schulding, seven carries, 13 yards. They got to Trey uh, Bird, the uh, other quarterback out of Bennington, uh, three carries, negative 17 uh, for him. So 16 rushes, 94 yards. Bird was 0 of 3 throwing the ball. Schulting was 8 of 18, 87 yards, and one touchdown. So 94 rushing, 87 passing. Three of the catches were by Alex Phelps. He had the lone touchdown for the North. Uh, coming out of Wayne for 45 yards. Zach Fox, Blake Moore, Carter Kirkman, Braxton Bohr, and Tayshawn Porter 
all had one reception in the contest. Nolan Elo, hey, for the North out of Amherst, uh, had a couple of kickoffs, made an extra point, and on one of the kickoffs, made a tackle. McCashlin out of Lincoln Southwest, made the field goal from 33 yards, made both of his extra points, and was solid as well in the game. Really impressed by, of all things, the kicking game, because McCashlin and Elo both did a really good job at not many times you get to see a kicker that makes a tackle, and in his case, he was very aggressive in doing so. Great to see him not just be the first-ever Bronco to make it to the game, but also be an impact player in it. Leading the way defensively tonight for the North squad was Grand Island's Colton Marsh with five tackles, Ezra Vedral and Liam Blazer, a Blazer, excuse me, a Blazer out of Columbus, and Ezra Vedral each had four tackles uh, in the football game, Ezra out of Omaha Creighton Prep. The lone interception of the football game came from Caleb Kincaid of North Platte on that tip pass, a little screen. They tried to get to Colazzo. Colazzo almost made the circus catch, but there he was, uh, Kincaid, for the interception. The defensive player of the game, Aiden Barnby, for the uh, South squad, also led them in tackles from Papillion La Vista South. Four tackles, two of them solos, one sack, two and a half tackles for loss. His stat line was incredible. Then you had a bunch of guys with three tackles, and Will Potratz, Adam Duggar from McCook, Lance Rucker. Uh, also in there was Yvonne Olume from Lincoln. Uh, Ethan Roberts was there as well. Both Olume and Roberts had a sack and multiple tackles for loss. Jack Allen got off to a good start uh, for the South defensively. He was kind of the only guy we were talking about defensively for the South before the break and uh, had a great game tonight uh, as well. He really did, and so much of that comes on not just the first effort but the second effort as well. It's really what separates great defenders, and he certainly showed that here tonight. Well, again, uh, quite an exciting way to start the game as uh, we saw Colton Tilford had a 68-yard return to the 20-yard line from North Platte to set up the 20-yard touchdown pass from Schulting to Alex Phelps. Nolan Elo made the kick 7 to nothing. Uh, then they were on the march. They had it first and 10 at the 13. Had we not had the lightning delay, this thing could have got way different because the north was just thumping the south. They was probably have scored. And when we came back, the rain was falling. There were three false start penalties, two tackles for loss. They ended up giving the ball up at the 36, minus 23 coming out on that drive after the break. And it was basically all south after that. An 80-yard drive with 5.09 to go in the second quarter. Cal Newell took it in to make it 7-7 when the extra point was added out there by Nate McCashlin from Lincoln Southeast. We had just enough time to switch sides for halftime, two minutes. Carlos Colazzo took it in from one yard out for the south with 4.09 to go. A 13-play, 55-yard drive. McCashlin made the kick 14-7 south. And then he had the 33-yard field goal with 5.14 to go in the game. The north got it down to the four-yard line with a minute to go. But a touchdown was wiped out by a hold, and they were unable to score. The south was able to run out the clock. And the south wins the 65th annual Shrine Bowl 17-7 over the north. We'll have our final thoughts and wrap it up after this two-minute timeout on News Channel Nebraska Radio. Again, a big thank you to our outstanding producer, Grant Ty, back at the studio. And the final score, South 17, North 7. You've been listening to the U.S. Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Surgery postgame show. Certified and fellowship trained physicians providing a superior standard of care with no referral necessary. No matter the activity, New West is here to get you back to it. Schedule your appointment. It went from frustration to joy in the football game here tonight. And uh, in the end, those guys and their families are still out there on the field. And they will be out there for quite some time. This is an experience 
you can talk to guys 25 years down the road. They remember the time they spent here at the Shrine Bowl. Both squads, both the white and the blue jerseys from the south and the north hanging out here. We can even see one of our co-captains here at the near side 40-yard line, a player from the south taking a knee next to her wheelchair, getting a picture taken by both of their moms. The other mom had to step in real quick to grab her camera, or her camera phone, and to be able to throw that one in. And now there's other players from the south squad gathering around her as well. So not just the game itself, but as the Shriners often say, it's more than a game, and we're seeing another example of that on the field right now. All right, that's going to wrap things up here from Carney again to the News Channel Nebraska. Folks, thanks so much for all you did and carrying the game across the state of Nebraska here tonight. Brought to you by Wayne State College, Buffalo County Fair, and Carney Visitors Bureau. For our producer engineer, Grant Ty and Brandon Bennett, I'm Doug Duda. We hope to have you back for the 66th Annual Nebraska Shrine Bowl the first Saturday in June of 2024. Again, for the folks here in central Nebraska, don't forget the Sertoma 8-man game will be two weeks from tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN Radio. And if you want to hear that uh, on any of the other folks, again, newschannelnebraska.com will get you to the link to listen to the eight-man All-Star Game. If you're playing out in Scotts Bluff or up in the Northeast Nebraska All-Star Game next Saturday, best of luck as well. We might even see a couple of these guys at the All-Star Wrestling Duels next Saturday in Grand Island. South 17, North 7, from UNK's Foster Field in Kearney, this is Doug Duda saying good night, everyone.